is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk. We've oh, we got a lot to talk about today. Palmo's got a new gig. And a very prominent member of the Winnipeg Jets has appeared on Frank Cervelli's trade bait list right up near the top of it. Um, really looking forward to the program. Eric Fair, good friend of the program, is going to jump on. He's got a lot of exciting things going on. Big golf tournament on Friday. Um, new role with the Winkler Flyers next year. We'll also get a chance to talk to him about the Stanley Cup final. Sidney Crosby, Alex Ovechkin, two of his former teammates. And what it's like to be in the middle of a Stanley Cup final, so close to raising the Holy Grail, but not there yet. That's going to be coming up in the uh, first guest segment of the program. And then we'll have Ken Weeb, Weeb's World, from the Stanley Cup final. We'll certainly touch on Game 4 tonight, but I have a feeling we'll be talking far more about off-ice things with the NHL offseason, including Maurice heading to Florida, Blake Wheeler potentially being dealt and um, and much, much more, obviously, potential. Well, the name Barry Trotz is probably going to come up as well with Ken a little bit later on. And uh, continuing the program, uh, after Ken joins us, we're also going to talk with Blue Bomber receiver Greg Ellingson. We are two days out from the whiteout game. The Bombers will be wearing the whites on Friday night. Should be a great, great evening. We'll talk about the first couple of games in blue and gold with Greg and a look ahead to the game against the Hamilton Tiger Cats. So uh, lots to chop up today. First things first, though, a big thanks to the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day, including our friends at Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Culligan Water, Vita Health, Fresh Market, F Apparel, Wallace & Wallace, Aikens Lake, Breezy Bend, Not Auto Corp, Little Brown Jug, Princess Auto, BP, Nick and Nicky DQ, Assiniboia Downs Canadian Club, and Cool Bet Canada. And speaking of Assiniboia Downs, shout out to everyone that picked a winner last night in race six. Saw quite a few threes on the list last night. Uh, it's all going to come down to today's race. Uh, we'll see if anyone can actually pick two correct. We've had three, we've had five races so far. Um, but we will do that towards the end of the program. So stay tuned. Your chance to come and join myself and Michael Remus for the world-famous prime rib buffet out of Cinnaboya Downs, along with a guest uh, in the next couple of weeks. Speaking of Michael Remus, let's get him in here and uh, get this thing on the road. Remo, what's going on? How are you? Yeah, lots to get to. Um, I was dropping my son off at work. I'm not working at uh, daycare today. <laughs> Child labor starts <laughs> yeah. early in the Remus home. <laughs> yeah, and then I got the alert that Paul Maurice was hired by Florida. I had to rush home to uh, tweet out the news and put it on our uh, social media. So it's been a, definitely a busy morning with that. And we not only had that bomb, we had uh, Frank Cervelli adding Blake Wheeler at number three on his trade targets list. So a lot to get to, but did you want to start off first? I want to congratulate you. I'm feeling, I'm on a bit of a high. What a great dinner yesterday uh, in support of the Ray JCC. Uh, at the convention center, Emmett Smith was the guest, and you did an, a fantastic job along with Matt Leibel uh, leading the interview. Uh, very well done, Hus. 
Well, thanks a lot. I'll be honest. That was a real, a real thrill to get the opportunity to uh, to do it. And I want to thank uh, Lori and Rob and Zach, Al, and everyone on the uh, organizing committee of the Rady JCC dinner. I mean, that dinner, and we've talked about it for years in the past, is sort of the premier, really dinner event. Never mind for the sporting community here in the city each and every year. Um, they did such an amazing job of filling that place. There was 1,400 people there at the RBC Convention Center last night. And I wasn't aware that this is the way things were set up, but got a chance to sit at a table um, with Emmett Smith, as well as pretty much the who's who of the Winnipeg sporting community. Oh, here, we've got the picture. Jeez, Remus, you're on it today. So uh, there, first of all, uh, that's the first time I've worn a suit in a long time. However, I am... Uh, I am in negotiations or talks with Andrew and the gang over at F Apparel. Uh, I'll be going in there next week because uh, we're gonna we're gonna freshen up the wardrobe for the uh, the fall and the upcoming hockey season. Um, but anyways, uh, you know if you're seeing there uh, Wade Miller, President and CEO of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, of course Matt Libel, John Olfert, CEO of True North Sports and Entertainment, Phil Dos Santos. Great to meet him in for, in person, first time head coach of Valor FC. Cashman, Andrew Collier, general manager of the Winnipeg Gold Eyes, Al Greenberg from the Rady, and of course, the guest of honor, Emmett Smith, last night. And, um, you know, it was, it went amazing. I mean, you always get a little, I don't know, I want to say necessarily nervous. It was more the uh, sitting around and the waiting for it before we went up there. Uh, but I'll tell you what, Emmett was phenomenal. He was so much fun to sit with uh, during the, uh, during, at the table during the dinner, where Matt and I got a chance to, ask him a bunch of things that we thought people might enjoy hearing and certainly the feedback was wonderful and the other great thing about it Remus and I'm sure you'll share this it was just great to be out in a big event again and obviously we've been to Jets games and been to Bomber games but an event like that with so many people friends customers clients um you know people that we've known or done business with in the past all being out there it was really a perfect night and I gotta say the money that they raised for the programs that they put out out of the Rady Center was just off the charts. I do believe, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I know you were talking with some folks, this is the most successful dinner ever, the 50th anniversary of it, and uh, a big shout-out and uh, congratulations to Neil and Carol Duboff, who were uh, honoured as well. Uh, it couldn't have gone much better. It was uh, awesome just to be there, and obviously it was a real thrill to uh, have the honour of interviewing Emmett Smith along with Matt. And speaking of Matt, who I think is going to join us tomorrow on the program, this dude... Um, I mean, he's so multi-talented and you know, we know what he used to do with us on the radio over at the old station. Um, you know, you can speak maybe better than me as to, you know, the bolt of energy he put into the Jewish community when he decided to, to become a rabbi. And, uh, Matt put on an absolute clinic last night as the MC of that event. It was a true masterclass and, uh, it was just great to hang out with a great friend and, uh, do it with an absolute NFL legend, hall of famer and the all-time rushing leader, Emmett Smith last night at the Rady. Yeah. Pretty cool to see you at the table here with Winnipeg sports. So at the leaders in the Winnipeg sports scene, uh, Wade Miller, Andrew Collier, Emmett Smith, Phil DeSantos. What a, what, what a legendary table that is. And, <laughs> Uh, the, us two guys uh, being being part of it, uh, incredible. Yeah, it was a great night. Great seeing people. Saw many listeners of the show saying we're doing a great job. Um, so yeah, yeah. Events are back, us, and I also got a lot of great compliments uh, on my F apparel suit. You were looking good. 
You were yeah. looking good last night, as was uh, pretty much everyone. It was, it was, you know, I normally over the years, certainly within the past, have done so many dinners like this, and at some point you're like, oh man, do I go? This is so different. I mean, this is the event of the year. Uh, I mean, we've seen incredible guest speakers in the past, uh, Eli Manning and Dan Marino, Drew Brees. Uh, but to have Emmett there and, you know, his stories about being, you know, uh, his story just about the way that he's conducted himself in life. <clears throat> he is so driven and goal oriented. Um, it really is somewhat inspirational. We talked about that a little bit, but then had some good laughs with some of the off field activities of the Dallas Cowboys during their dynasty era. And um, anyways, everyone seemed to join it. So just a big thank you to the folks for um, having me out there, giving me the opportunity to do that. And a big shout out to Matt for the incredible job that he did last night. And yes, uh, for everyone that said hi or uh, gave us some dap on what we're doing with Winnipeg Sports Talk, really do appreciate that. Uh, but let's get down to business, Remo. Pomo is back. I'm pumped about this. I've said for quite a bit. I mean, we knew he wasn't going to be the head coach of the Winnipeg Jets, but it's uh, it's a lot more fun and a lot more interesting when Paul Maurice is coaching in the National Hockey League. And I got to say, though, I am absolutely stunned that the uh, Florida Panthers, um, you know, with all of the coaching candidates out there over the course of the summer, with the team that they have put together, the season that they just had, um, are going to move on from Andrew Brunette. Um, you know, who was basically elite right up until, you know, they got smoked by the Tampa Bay Lightning. And maybe that one was just such a thorough beatdown to their arch rivals that they felt they had to go a different direction. But I was not expecting Paul Maurice to end up, but what a gig for Mo. I mean, he's going down to South Florida to take over one of the most talented teams in the National Hockey League. And um, tell you what, for a guy that always wanted some defensive responsibility from his center, uh, he's got a pretty damn good one in Alex Barkov, who's more likely to be maybe in the Selkie conversation than that maybe some of the players that he had before. So um, everyone in the league talking about this move today with Paul Maurice, was broken by Darren Drager, as their head coach next season. Yeah, I was definitely surprised. We hadn't heard his name mentioned too much. We heard he was burned out of coaching, but I think this Florida job seems like the perfect opportunity for him. Uh, I was running down here. Let's go a three year contract reported by Darren Dreger. And I, what else do I got here? Oh yeah. Florida. Okay. I don't know if you knew this has no state income tax. There, there you go. Um, Florida weather compared to Winnipeg's horrible winter last year, you're getting a number one team. They scored the most goals. Um, he said if he, if he was burned out from COVID restrictions, oh, geez, if he's burned out from COVID <laughs> restrictions, I didn't realize that was on there. Um, oh, yeah. Just so well, there, people know, we actually do have notes. There is a lot of preparation that goes into these shows, just so yeah. you know. <laughs> oh, I'm going to have to edit that out. I showed all, I'll put all our show notes on there. Whoops. My great rant. Oh, no. I had all my notes ready and I just showed them on the screen. Um, oh, yeah. Showed your he, hand. If he was burned out of COVID restrictions, house, well, they don't have any in Florida, so that's a plus. And what was the other one? <laughs> oh, yeah. A guy who talks about uh, time zones all the time. Well, in the Eastern Conference, there's just one. So you don't have to – the travel there is so much better than here. So I'm, I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, the press conference to announce it and uh, what he's going to be saying going forward. You know, we joked, uh, we, we joked that, you know, we may have to go live for the Panthers introductory press conference, but 
um, we probably won't do that. We'll certainly have some clips of it, and it'll be very interesting to hear, uh, you know, what Maurice has to say. I mean, I don't believe he's really had any comment on anything since, what, the 17th of December when he walked away from the Winnipeg Jets and resigned as head coach. Now, it has been interesting because I was just on, on with Rod earlier today, um, and, you know, we've already heard from Panthers fans that, you know, we're now sort of paying a little bit more attention to what happened here in Winnipeg. And, you know, looking back now, it was an incredibly long time for Maurice to be the coach. And, you know, listen, there's a reason why I think even the best coaches have somewhat of a shelf life with, uh, with particular teams. And I think the Jets were trying to buck that and really have Maurice is the guy. We've talked all about this, you know, the core of the club, the leadership group, kind of continuing on as the group that they believed in. And, I mean, looking back, would it have been a better idea for maybe something to change with Winnipeg after the 2019 season? I'll say yes. I mean, I, I believed that for a long time. Um, now, maybe it wasn't necessarily the head coach. Maybe it was personnel. Maybe it was leadership group, but whatever. Um, the bottom line is they moved on from that, made some significant changes, obviously, with Patrick Laine, uh for Pierre-Luc Dubois, but maintained that group and nothing really changed. And in a lot of ways, it got worse. Um, culminating with the disappointing season last year uh, and Maurice walking away from the Winnipeg Jets. Um, so, I mean, it's all Monday morning quarterbacking right now, but certainly these are, there's a lot of people watching this that are probably yelling at the TV or their podcast going, I was saying that the whole time and we get it. Um, you know, certainly it sort of played out that way. Um, but we knew Maurice wasn't going to be around next season. Maurice was gone. There's a coaching search on right now. Trot's watch continues daily on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Um, but what this means for the Winnipeg Jets, and, and listen, I mean, I'm not sure how related these things are, but it's pretty hard, Remo, not to maybe connect the dots in some way that like an hour after Maurice was, you know, announced or reported that had agreed to terms with the Florida Panthers to be the head coach, Winnipeg Jets captain Blake Wheeler all of a sudden emerges not just on Frank Saravelli's trade bait board, but at number three. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if this is connected or not, but Frank Saravelli putting out his trade targets list, which had Mark Shifley on it earlier and then took Mark Shifley off. Now has Blake Wheeler. And yeah, he wasn't like 25 or 30 where Shifley was the last name on the list. Blake Wheeler coming in at number three. And bit of bit of a shocker when the team's captain is on there, Huss. And I can read uh, what Frank wrote here, and he didn't really elaborate much on his show today. He kind of just said what was in the article. Sources say the Jets have begun to explore the market and engage with teams on the possibility of moving Wheeler, the franchise stalwart and last remaining holdover from the Atlanta Thrashers days. He's got complete control over his de destination until July 1 when his full no-move clause converts into a five-team list to which he'll, he'd accept a trade. The early sense is Wheeler may be willing to consider a proposed destination that also is not on the list. It's a proper fit for his family and career, if it's a proper fit. Will his cap hit prove difficult to move? Maybe not. Wheeler could be the missing piece for a contending team as a point-per-game play-driving winger with size and heart. And he has two more seasons, $8.25 million AAV, and immediately, um, you know, when Maurice was hired in Florida, I got a DM from a, from a listener 
who said, hey, Wheeler has a place in Florida. And then, like, this came out. I don't know if it's related or a coincidence, but um, two big items of, I guess, former Jet News and current Jet News uh, this morning. Yeah, uh, listen, I'm not surprised that Wheeler's names come out there a little bit. I mean, I think we've heard, you know, some rumblings that, you know, maybe Blake might like a change of scenery considering what happened last year and where he's at in his career. And, and I'll tell you what, I think Blake Wheeler would, you know, never mind having the place down in South Florida and the time he spends there with his family. I think he would look at the opportunity of potentially joining a team like the Florida Panthers as, a, you know, an incredible chance um, to get closer to winning a Stanley Cup, at least right now as we sit here in the middle of summer 2022. And even better, I'm sure from his perspective, if a guy that, you know, he, you know, played for and, you know, was his guy the entire time in Paul Maurice as the head coach. Now, when you look at the Panthers, um, you know, salary structure, it's, I, I don't really see how they're going to make this work easily um there could be some sort of salary retained um and, and many people have thought like i put it this way and i'll say this right now for folks that think that the winnipeg jets are going to do whatever they can do to get rid of the blake wheeler and the blake wheeler contract i don't think so um i think that you know he still is a, a player that can certainly help you win hockey games i've said before on this team i think that with the right attitude coming in under the right coach, Blake Wheeler can absolutely be part of the solution here, as opposed to many people that have, you know, accused him and, you know, that group of being part of the quote unquote problem. Um, but obviously things would be very, very different if that were to be the case. And, you know, I think maybe if on both sides, not going that route and going the road of some sort of a trade would be, I think would be ideal for both the player and the team. Um, but again, we're talking about a salary cap world. We're talking about a player that's 35 years old, and we're talking about a guy that's got an $8.5 million cap hit, which is not that easy for a team like the Panthers um, to uh, to come in. Now, there has been talk, Reem, about Sergei Brobovsky. Now, Brobovsky's got a full no move, and I don't. And I saw someone throw this out. I mean, no Wheeler for Brobovsky. I mean, uh, maybe it would be the asset moved. I mean, I don't think Winnipeg is even thinking about that for a second, even if Bobrovsky said, yeah, I'll accept a trade to the Winnipeg Jets. Um, but that being said, there is a big goaltending market and we could be talking about some salary retained on both sides. Um, I can tell you that, you know, we're talking about Ken Holland and his challenges in Edmonton, um, you know, to shore up the, the defensive or the, uh, the goaltending issue there. Um, you know, would Bobrovsky be an improvement? Um, if the Panthers or the Jets or one of those teams was willing to eat part of the $10 million salary, would the Edmonton Oilers be willing to give up an asset for that? So maybe there is some sort of a three-way opportunity with teams like that. Um, that being said, uh, you know, the Panthers, they've got Barkov at 10 mil. They've got Reinhardt at six and a half. And then they've got a number of players. Well, Huberto, one year left at 5.9. You know that he's going to be due for a huge, huge raise. It's a guy that found his name on uh, quite a bit of Hart Trophy ballots yesterday. We will get to the trophies a little bit later on. Hornquist has one more year. Then we've got a group of players like Sam Bennett, Carter Verhage, Anthony Duclair, younger players. So if you're bringing in $8.5 million, you're going to have to figure out what you're moving out, what happens. And I think Bobrovsky might be the key player when it comes to all this. If they're able to move him, maybe there's a better opportunity to uh, to acquire a player like Blake Wheeler. And as far as the market for wheels, as I said, I don't believe for a second that the Winnipeg Jets are just going to literally give Blake Wheeler away or let him walk. 
Um, and I think the same thing about Mark Shifley, although Mark Shifley, with the money that he's making, the two years left on his contract, where he's at, I think obviously is a far more attractive asset uh, overall as far as return. Um, but we are going to be getting into a situation. I think that the first week in July is going to be fascinating, Reem, uh, because we do expect that Barry Trotz will have some sort of a decision, at least reported by Pierre Lebrun, by the 1st of July. Um, if that is in Winnipeg, I think immediately they move on to things that I'm sure would have been discussed before, and you could see some moves going into the draft. But that draft day, July 7th, in Montreal, um, is going to be the focus because as much as there's going to be selections and the Jets have a couple options right now with currently two first-round picks, uh, there will be as much intrigue as to potential player move with this hockey club as there will be as to who gets picked at number 14 and number 30. Yeah, I agree. And we had talked all week. Okay, if a new coach comes in, what moves are we going to see? And we had talked, you know, Shifley, the guy, but seems like Blake Wheeler. And I have to wonder, even if he does come back, is he going to be wearing the C on his jersey as well? It seems like the team ready to move forward into a different direction. We hadn't you know, heard his name, and we're just speculating if Florida would be a fit because he does have that what modified no, no move, and we'll see what happens. I, I think Blake Wheeler's still a productive player. He can contribute, but I think it was pretty clear that maybe he was playing a bit of the role he was given was maybe – but he, you know, other players could have been given that, those roles in the top line and his skills are a bit diminished and maybe he's more of a power play specialist on, on the you know, middle six as, a pair of, as opposed to top four. But I like Wheeler, but salary, maybe a bit too much. And we've how many times has, have we said this sick guy's salary not going to be able to be moved? And then somehow you find a way yeah, to move it. So it's a great point. It's a like great how point. How many times? And listen, we're not talking about a guy making eight and a half million that put up 22 points last year. No. I mean, Blake Wheeler, you can say whatever you want about him. The guy's been productive and continues to be productive and was productive last year. Now, I mean, my concerns about the Winnipeg Jets, and, and honestly, I think it's, in my opinion, it has as much to do with Mark Scheifele and Blake, than Blake Wheeler. But at the same time, I mean, those two guys have been so connected at the hip and sort of been the guys that were Maurice's guys. And, you know, we saw the way they were handled by the coaching staff in the past and how Dave Lowry changed. Um, and we saw what that got out of in particular number 55. So that goes back to everything we were talking at the end of the last season. We knew, I don't know how many times I've said on this program that this team needs a number of changes. But one thing is a significant shakeup in the leadership core and the core of the team. And we know that there's players like a Pierre-Luc Dubois that you're hoping you can sign to a long-term deal and knows that he's a big part of that core. Nikolai Ehlers is in the group. Kyle Connor's in the group. And Adam Lowry, I think, for a section of the team, has sort of been a de facto captain as well outside of the group that was closer to, you know, the head coach in, in Shifley and Wheeler. So uh, it, it is very interesting. I should, I, I'm not surprised that we're hearing about this. Easier said than done from a general manager's perspective. But you do make a great point, Reem, that, you know, despite Blake Wheeler's age and contract, he is very productive. We know Paul Maurice thinks the world of him. And I think there's some other general managers in the league that if they could fit his number into their cap, would love to have them on their team and take a run at a Stanley Cup in the next couple of years. Yeah, and if you're the Jets, you know, why you'd maybe be more inclined to trade uh, Wheeler instead of Shifley. I mean, Wheeler's a winger, older, higher salary. Shifley plays premium position center. Maybe you think a new coach can come in and 
get him to improve his defensive game. And I think it's kind of like what Calgary did. If you want to, see, if the Jets want to follow what Calgary did last year after having a disappointing season where everyone thought they were going to be a playoff team and they totally disappointed. Well, they what, got a new coach who's demanded some more accountability in Daryl Sutter. Uh, the captain moved him on. Mark Giordano went to uh, Seattle and then, and then Toronto. So if the Jets want to do that, then you can you know, move Wheeler, who's your captain, and you, you know, shake up the leadership group. But also, you probably have an easier time bringing in a winger to replace that production then your center is in from all we've heard from the insiders. They love having Shafley and Dubois down the middle. You hear so many times, you know, you build from, you know, the middle goalie center, you know, defense. And so we'll, we'll see if they can, I don't know who they would replace his points though. Huss. I think that would be definitely be one of your concerns, how you replace some of that well, production listen, that he if, did. If Withers out there, I mean, I, I'm for, I will be the first one to say, I think, you know, if you move Nikolai Ehlers into, you know, a, a more prominent role with more ice time, um, you're going to see better results and you're going to see more points. Um, but, but I mean, the, the whole thing with Blake is that this isn't about a, a player per se, just the guy that, you know, what you see on the ice. It's, it's all to me, it's about the captain. It's about, you know, changing over the changing of the guard of the leadership group. And I go back to a question that we had with Murata Tesh when we were speaking about Mark Shifley and the potential that he would be traded. And I asked Murat, what, what does that do? What, where would that leave Blake Wheeler with this team? And I always remember this answer from Murat because I thought it was insightful. He says, potentially on an Island. And do the reversal on this. And I think the answer is somewhat the same. Although the opportunity for Mike Sharp, Mark Shifley would be a little bit different. Because if Shifley was gone and Wheeler was somewhat on an island, you're 35 years old, you're still the captain, you're seeing the change, of course, and you're maybe just there. Shifley's very different in that if his longtime running mate Wheeler is gone and there's a new head coach, there's a new you know sheriff in town, if you will, uh, and you got the buy-in of the rest of the team, Mark's got to, a decision to make. He's going to buy in, and he is going to be part of the solution, and he'll be the player that everyone knows that he can be and be a little bit more committed to, committed to the things that will actually help his team win games in addition to the incredible offense that he brings. Or they say that it's not going to work, and they move another direction, and they do move him at that time. Uh, but it will be fascinating to see how this plays out over the course of the next few weeks and through this summer. Uh, because those two guys have been synonymous with the Winnipeg Jets, along with Paul Maurice, for the better part of the last decade. Maurice is now the head coach of the Florida Panthers, and we're now hearing for the first time some legitimate trade rumors and talk about the captain of the Winnipeg Jets, who many of us thought would be uh, the last guy to leave. Um, but I think that there's some something to be said for the fact that the player might also want to change his scenery, especially if the opportunity like potentially going to Florida was put forth to him. Yes, uh, I agree with that. Sorry, I'm having some moderating the chat, so I had to throw a couple of people off top rope. Oh, we've already Maybe. had a we've already had a top rope. Well, fake Scott Billick is back in here and some oh. other some <laughs> other nonsense um, that I have to keep an eye on. Uh, keep an eye on right now. But uh, you know, I gotta be honest; like I wasn't paying attention to it, to what you said. But as far as where was the comment? Well, I mean, just that, you know, with Wheeler, we said that if Shifley was traded, Wheeler might be on some sort of an island. This goes back to the Murat yes, conversation. Yes, I, I caught that. And if it's reversed, 
I mean, I think there's you could say some of that same thing about Mark Shifley, although, you know, I know Adam Lowry's hanging out with him in Calgary along with Josh Morrissey. I mean, yep. like, I, I've been for I I've been a, a proponent of exploring the market for Mark Shifley dating back to November. Any regular listener of this program would know that because I'm not sure that, you know, they'll be able to re-up Mark at the end of his career or at the end of the, the this deal. And I think that there are, especially if you have Pierre-Luc Dubois and some of the other players that are ready for more for a primetime role, uh, I think there's some guys that could fill in. Now, you're not just replacing Mark Shifley. Um, but as far as changing over the team, the room, the leadership group, if Blake Wheeler is moved, I mean, that's a more significant move, I think, when it comes to the locker room than even Mark Shifley. And that's saying if you trade Shifley, I still do believe that there is a good possibility that Wheeler buys in and can be part of the solution. Um, all that being said, this has just added uh, another layer of intrigue to this Winnipeg Jets offseason that really is going to take place. Uh, it, it's really going to get going once we find out what happens with the uh, with the head coach. I will mention uh, I did know uh, I do know that the busy weekend for the a busy week for the Winnipeg Jets. I'm I have no idea when this Barry Trotz meeting is going to happen, where or how it is, but I do know they've got the board meeting, they've got pro scouting meetings, amateur scouting meetings. So there's a lot of things happening behind the scenes with the Winnipeg Jets and. Oh man, it would be incredible to be fly on the wall right now because I'm sure things are being discussed within the walls of uh, the uh, management group that a few years ago would have thought absolutely inconceivable. And uh, well, I guess one of those things is Paul Maurice is now the head coach of the Florida Panthers. So we're going to get to all this with Weaver a little bit later on uh, in the show. I will say I was actually surprised that um, just the way things ended in Winnipeg that a team would jump on at the chance at, at Paul Maurice. And it's just surprising Jack Adams nominee, Andrew Brunette. You know, maybe they had some struggles in the playoffs, but by all, you know, they go up against the cup finalists. I mean, imagine having that kind of season and you get, you get fired. It seems, seems wild to me. And I wonder, and they did offer, but Andrew Brunette a chance to reapply for his job. Sorry. I mean, offered him a chance at uh, assistant coach and what Pierre Lebrun reported that he's probably going to move on. I would imagine you would, if you, did want a coach. I mean, he was working in the front office before. You would you know, feel definitely slighted. It would be weird to come back. Almost reminds me of when, when Mark Shapiro came in and Alex Anthopoulos was like, you know what, I'm not comfortable here and bailed and just won a World Series with the Braves. So yeah, <laughs> uh, this may not be the last we hear of, of Andrew Brunette, who was he's front office with Minnesota before, then with Florida. I mean, very interested about uh, what's going to happen with with the Panthers now, more so than before. I should, should I bring on my Panthers jersey? Should I get a spot behind me? We'll here? have we'll have plenty of time for that. You can you can get number one and Maurice put on the back of it. You can wear it all the time on Winnipeg Sports Talk as we uh, get into hey, next season. So so much for not having Coach News break during the Cup final, right? We haven't even talked about Game Four. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. DeBoer yesterday, Maurice today. <laughs> Yeah, come on, Jets! Announce the whatever, whatever. What are you? What's the holdup here? We've the Cup final well, announcement, Coach. It's been myth. It's been debunked. It's fake news. Yeah, it's, it's fake, absolutely fake. Total news. fake so news. A, yes. Uh, so if there's something to announce, well, we'll uh, we'll hear about it soon. But as I said, I think these meetings are going to happen at some point over the next few days, and next week, potentially early next week. I guess it could happen later on this week. I mean, who knows? At some point in the next ten days. 
we should have some clarity, at least on Barry Trotz's situation. But I still do believe that the Winnipeg Jets would like to have their head coach named and at the table with them in Montreal at the draft for round one on Thursday, July 7th. Um, we'll have much more time to get to this. We are going to hook up with Eric Fair in just a couple minutes. Uh, but we got a huge crew in here, by the way. For anyone that's new and hasn't joined us before, make sure you hit that red subscribe button and join us. We are your daily show for Winnipeg Sports Talk right here, 1 p.m. live on YouTube every day, available to watch at any point after that. And uh, the reason why we do it at 1 o'clock is so we can get the podcasts up just in time for you to get out from work, usually up around 3.30. So uh, if you're watching on YouTube and you want to get the audio side of things, go to Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Just subscribe to the podcast. Obviously, totally free. Uh, but do us a solid. Hit that red subscribe button. You'll have our content there in your feed when you fire up YouTube. And while you're at it, do the boys a solid and hit that thumbs up. Um, well, Trotz inevitably comes back to comments about Little Brown Jug and our offer to Barry uh, last week. Uh, but don't forget, everybody, or if maybe you didn't know this, Friday afternoon, we're doing a show <clears throat> live at Little Brown Jug. Good chance we might actually do the lock shop live there as well with Dustin Nielsen beforehand, working on that depending on when he gets into the city and if that's all works with his prep for the broadcast of the Bombers Ticat game. Uh, but if you're able to bust out from the office or you're off on Friday, pop down, hang out with us from one till three, uh, and then we'll kick it and have a few pints and do a little pre-gaming before the Bomber game on Friday night. Uh, and of course, we'll be heading over to the uh, Princess Auto tailgate party beforehand. 5.30, things open up. DJ Finesse will be there. Great deals as well for the uh, the tailgate party. $5 beers, $3.50 hot dogs, $3.50 soft drinks. So it's a great spot to bring the family and uh of course, Princess Auto, proud sponsors of all of that. So Little Brown Jug on Friday afternoon, Princess Auto tailgate party before the Bomber game, and then 7.30 kickoff, the whiteout. White unis, fans are encouraged to wear white for the game on Friday. And um, so, as I said, hope to see you there at Little Brown Jug. Going to be a lot of fun. Our first live show out in Winnipeg here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Um, Remo, you mentioned it, um, you know, F apparel. There was a lot of F suits there last night. Everyone looking resplendent there at the Rady dinner. If you're looking at the pics going, damn, I probably haven't put my suit on in two years. Um, it might be time to go see Andrew and the gang down on that 190 Smith Street. Uh, they've got custom suits beginning at $400. Incredible deals on shirts, pants, golf pants, and more. Um, and a great deal for you wedding parties. If you're uh, looking to, instead of renting something, get some suits you can wear into the future. 15% off for the entire wedding party. When you hook up with F Apparel, they're at 190 Smith Street downtown and online at fapparel.com. And hey, I was mentioning what a big day Friday is going to be, both for Winnipeg Sports Talk and then into the Bomber game. Saturday, going to be a great day with our friends over at Vita Health Fresh Market. They're hosting their block party barbecue on Saturday from 11 to 1 p.m. That's June 25th at the Linden Ridge location at 1751 Keniston. Bring your whole family. There's going to be face painting, games, product samples, and a free lunch. And of course, you'll be able to check out the newest Vita Health store and get great prices on Winnipeg's best selection of natural organic supplements, beauty products, groceries, and amazing delicious lunch options like the Vitamarket salad soup sandwiches and some great options for your barbecue, including delicious lean bison steaks or chicken. Vita Health Fresh Market, seven locations. Check them out online at myvita.ca and make a plan to join us Saturday morning, 
between 11 and 1 p.m. at the Linden Ridge, 1751 Keniston Boulevard Market. Hey, our gang at Wallace & Wallace, of course, are Winnipeg's fencing and overhead door specialists. You've seen their fences and trucks all over the city. They have got you covered. Whatever you need fence-wise, vinyl, ornamental, welded wire, chain link, or wood, They've been the leaders for 75 years in the game here in Winnipeg. And if it's time to replace your garage door, they've also got Winnipeg's largest selection of overhead garage doors. Give them a buzz, 452-2700. Ben, Charles, and Mark and the rest of the gang at Wallace will arrange a time to come out and give you a free estimate. And you can also visit them at wallacefences.com or popped into their showroom on Lawson Road off of Keniston Boulevard. All right, we're going to get back to Maurice Wheeler Cup Final Jets coaching search with Ken Weeb in a few minutes. But right now, let's welcome in former Winnipeg Jet and Stanley Cup champion Eric Fair to the program. Eric, what's going on? Great to have you on the program. And whoa, that's a sweet background you've got there. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to join the show with you guys. Um, uh, first of all, how's things? How's the summer going so far? Getting a little bit of time back in, uh, back at home in Winkler with the family and a uh, little more normal life after what's been a crazy few years for you? Yeah, it's nice that the weather's starting to come around. I can enjoy uh, being outside a little bit, golfing, and, and hanging out with the family. So it's it's been uh, nice and relaxing so far. You know, I, I listen, there's a lot of things I want to get to on, uh, you know, what's next for you, as well as a big day for you on uh, coming up on Friday. But, um, you know, while we're getting ready for game four tonight of the cup final, um, just wanted to get your thoughts on the playoffs and in particularly the Tampa Bay Lightning who have been, you know, the cream of the crop in the National Hockey League, pull themselves off the mat when many people counted them out and that incredibly high-flying Colorado Avalanche team that, um, you know, it'd be interesting to see how they come back tonight after um, the first time really getting throttled in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Yeah, I think a lot of it's going to come down to the injuries. I, I picked Tampa at the beginning of the series just um, you know, they're, they're a tough team to beat at home. They're a team that's done it before. And I think uh, missing Cogger is going to be big. Uh, Rukowski, I don't know if he's going to be back. Um, I think if uh, Colorado gets too many more injuries, they could be in trouble. So um, we'll, we'll see if my prediction of Tampa at the beginning holds true. I'm not going to change it just because Colorado looks really good. But um, it's been a great series. Pretty is it is quite amazing, though, um, to see the turnaround from the Colorado Avalanche. I mean, you know, five years ago, they were not just bad, they were historically bad. And, you know, with that comes some high picks, and they've certainly hit on them with a guy like Kale McCarr. Uh, and now you see a team that has so much talent. But, you know, talent that brings you so far. We have seen Tampa Bay's experience, physicality, and let's not underestimate the talent that they have, too, that makes them just so hard to beat. Yeah, I think uh, for me, I always think you need a really good goalie to win. And I obviously think Tampa's goalie is one of the best. So uh, for that reason, I picked those guys. But um, Colorado's been knocking on the door for a lot of years, uh, a lot like the, the Maple Leafs. And, and there's a couple other teams like the Capitals back when I was playing where you could just tell that all they needed to do is break through. So, uh, you know, there's definitely a chance that they could hoist this year. And, and I wouldn't be too surprised either. Hey, uh, a big news today, Paul Maurice getting hired by the Florida Panthers. I mean, I think it probably caught a lot of people off guard because I'm not sure anyone was really sure that the job was open. I mean, uh, what was your reaction when you saw that come across the ticker? Yeah, I was pretty surprised uh, when you have a coach nominated for the Jack Adams and uh, he just gets let go and, and you bring somebody else in right away. Uh, kind of wonder what happened there, but um, obviously a good team and a team they expect to, to win soon. So Maybe they wanted a little bit of uh, a more experienced coach, but 
um, you know, from what I've heard from uh, Paul Maurice, he's a great coach. So uh, hopefully they made the good hire there. Hey, speaking of coaches, um, obviously everyone here in Winnipeg and Southern Manitoba is interested to see what happens next with the Winnipeg Jets. And we've sort of been on trots watch here ever since uh, Barry was fired by the New York Islanders about a month ago. And, um, you know, many of the other jobs have been filled. There still reportedly are going to be meetings between trots and the Winnipeg Jets, and we'll see what happens this week. But you played for Barry Trotz. Uh, interested just from your perspective as a guy that, you know, was it with Barry in his first year with the team. Take us back to that year with the Washington Capitals. What was it like when Barry Trotz came in and took over that club? And uh, what can you tell us about the way he handles his uh, his men? I'm a big fan of Barry Trotz. He's a great coach. He expects a lot and, and he uh, he demands it every day, which which I think you have to do, especially in the NHL nowadays. You need your players to perform at the top level and, and you can't let guys slip. And, and, and that's kind of what he brought to Washington. And um, Obviously, he ended up winning a Stanley Cup there. and He slowly built it, uh, built up the trust of the players. And uh, I thought he did a great job. And for me personally, I love playing for him. He, uh, you know, he got the most out of me as a player. And I had a good year uh, under him in Washington. He took over for Adam Oates. I mean, if you can, what do you remember about, you know, training camp, the beginning of the season, about what Trotz did when he came in and said, okay, I'm the new head coach. This is the way things are going. I mean, did he change things significantly? Was it sort of a slow process? How did that all work? I remember how hard we worked the first day of training camp. I think he set the tone pretty quick with us. Um, you know, we had a, an older group of guys that have kind of been – like the Colorado Avalanche or like the Maple Leafs, just knocking on the door for a lot of years. And, um, you know, he really wanted to get the most out of us. And, and I think maybe part of it he thought was work ethic. And uh, he got the guys uh, going pretty early in camp. Um, he, uh, what, what would you say, well, when you think about Barry Trotz, and we've seen the incredible success that he had, you know, building a team from scratch in Nashville, um, you know, coming in, you know, in your then that year you played for him in his first year in Washington, ending up being coming a Stanley Cup champion. And then what he did in New York, taking a team that was the worst defensive team in the National Hockey League and in one season turning them into the best. I mean, what are the qualities of Barry and, and what maybe separates him from some of the other coaches that has given him this level of success in your mind? Well, I think he's a people person. You know, he's a guy that you can trust. He'll shoot you straight. And that's not always what you get in the hockey world. So I think, uh, you know, the longer he's there, the more uh, the players learn to trust him and, and believe that he is looking out for their best interest, even though it doesn't always look like it. Um, so that, that's probably one of the ways he stands out. And, um, you know, he does a great job with systems and all that kind of stuff. But I think the biggest thing for him is just how personal he is and, and how you just uh, learn that, that you can really trust him. We heard so much from Winnipeg Jet players at the end of last season in some very interesting interviews, um, you know, from players that don't normally, you know, speak as openly as they had before uh, about, you know, you know, I, well, it certainly sounded like a divided dressing room, but it kept on coming back to accountability of players. Um, and Paul Stastny itself said that some of the guys, you know, were almost cheating on their teammates. Um accountability is something that is synonymous with, you know, success of successful teams. If I ask you, like, how does a coach make players accountable and what makes the best coaches bring that out of players? Uh, how do they do that? And, and when you think of that, who comes to mind? Well, I, I haven't really been following the Jets uh, situation too closely, so I can't really speak on, on how their dressing was or anything like that. But when you speak about coaches and accountability, I think, the biggest thing is is having a veteran coach in there that 
that players know if you're not playing well, you're going to get scratched or you're going to get traded or, or something like that, where it's not just going to be a complacent uh, thing where the players can kind of run the show. I think that's probably the biggest thing that people understand when a guy like Barry Trotz comes in. He's not intimidated by any players, and it doesn't matter what your stats are or what they were the year before. You know, he expects you to play and live in the now, and uh, you know things change quickly with him. So I, I think having that understanding that, that he's going to be in charge and it doesn't matter what you've done in the past, I think that really changes uh, players' mindsets. I imagine it didn't take very long for that Capitals team to understand that uh, everyone was going to be accountable when Barry Trotz walked in on that first day of camp. Yeah, I mean, these guys are brought in. They're, they're making more money than they used to. You know, their their contracts are a lot more secure, especially early, uh, where they're allowed to make changes and, and kind of put their stamp on things. And and if there's players that aren't performing even in the, the system that they bring or performing the way they want. Um, you know, a lot of them now have the ability to, to get them moved on or, or move them down the line up to a fourth line or whatever it may be. Uh, so they have a lot more impact than they used to. Eric Ferris with us on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Eric, uh, you know, speaking of the Stanley Cup final with it now going into game four tonight, I think back to your Stanley Cup championship with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, and, and I want to ask you, um, like it's two months to win the cup. You're playing basically every second night. What is it like inside and around the team in the middle of a very tight Stanley cup final? Um, I imagine everyone is dealing with a lot of aches and pains, uh, but you realize you're so close to the finish line. I mean, what's that like being in a room and being in a cup final and being so close, but not yet having your hand on the hockey's Holy grail. Oh, it's, it's difficult. You know, it's tough to get sleep. Uh, you know, you, you want it so bad and you're trying not to look ahead and you're trying to, to just stay in the present moment, but it's so hard when you know what's at the end of the series. Um, I, I just remember that it was play a game and just shut your body down as hard as you could until you played again because you needed every ounce of energy for the next game and um, the rest and the preparation and everything. Um, you know, you just have to, you couldn't have any cracks in, in, your, in your ability to perform. So... Um, that's one of the big things that I remember uh, in the finals, just just trying not to look too far ahead. Uh, what uh, Sidney Crosby's just uh, unbelievable. I mean, he's been a superstar in the league since he came here. I mean, we talked about the cup rings, and of course, you were a big part of that one team. Um, how does he keep doing it? What 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 separates? Because there's tons of incredibly talented players, but in your opinion, as a guy that played with him and saw both on the ice and off the ice, what's made Sidney Crosby? the player and the NHL legend that he is still being able to play at such a high level right now. Well, he lives and breathes hockey. I think that's first and foremost, uh, you know, a lot of players as they get older, it kind of, uh, you know, beetles off a little bit. You, you don't want to play as much and you just kind of go through the motions and show up to the rink. But with this guy uh, to this day, is still the first guy on the ice for practice. He's the last guy off the ice. He, he just loves to get better every day. And, and he seems to be in a routine now stuff that he does um, you know, every day before and after and, and what he works on, but he just loves being at the rink and, and he's always so focused when he's at the rink. You know, he's, I always joke, he's a, he's a different player at the rink than he is you know, when you go for dinner with him right after. He's, he's got a different mentality where, um, you know, he's super competitive. He doesn't want to get beat by anybody. And, and I think that drive is what keeps pushing him to get better. You know, I mean, I, you're probably going to start with what you just said as the as the answer to this next question. But, um, you know, he's also been an incredible captain. And, you know, there's different types of captains. I'm sure you've played for a number of different ones. But um, 
Is he a loud leader or is he a guy that just simply sets the bar so high with the way that he prepares and comes and, and conducts himself um, that everyone sort of follows in line and, le- and follows his lead? Uh, I would say he just sets the tone for the most part. Um, obviously, just leading by example and, and leading with his competitive edge. Um, but but when there needs to, to be something said, when he says something, everybody listens because I know it's not like he's uh, he's chiming up in every situation and all day long. Um, you know, he really thinks things through. You can see him in a stall thinking, uh, you know, is this the time? Is this the time? And when he when he says something, everybody knows that uh, you know, we better start listening. Uh, I'm not sure how closely you pay attention to your former teams. I'd imagine Pittsburgh would be at the top of the list considering you had your greatest success in the National Hockey League there. Pretty interesting offseason for the Penguins. I mean, we've just thought about this team for the better part of a decade plus with Crosby and with Malkin and Latang, And, uh, you know, we know Sid will be there, but some big questions about the rest of that team. And I guess in a salary cap era, at some point you come to the end of the road. What do you make of how different the Penguins could potentially look next season? Yeah, I think this this year is probably more real than other years. I remember when I was there, there was talk about Gino getting moved and and possibly Latang, and now it's uh, I don't know, like five years later, six years later, and they're still talking about it. So uh, I feel like maybe it's possible this year with with guys like Gensel and Rust obviously needing a little bit more of the cap space, but um, I, I know they're going to try everything they can to, to keep those key pieces. Those guys uh, they really get along, they, they enjoy playing with each other. So um, really interested to see what happens there. Eric, I know you got a big day coming up on Friday, an exciting new opportunity next season. But before we do that, let's talk about the last couple of seasons. First of all, how did you enjoy playing in the Swiss League? Have you talked to many guys that have, you know, ended up uh, continuing their career overseas and they speak so highly of the environment and the hockey in the Swiss League. How was it? It was awesome. I really enjoyed the Swiss League. I was playing in Geneva, obviously a beautiful city. Um, we had a great team. Uh, where we ended up losing in the finals my last year. So it, it was real competitive hockey. And, um, you know, just a great group of guys, uh, a nice country. It's beautiful. Every bus trip you take, you're looking out the window. You don't even want to watch the movie. The, the scenery is so good. Um, it was just a great league to play in and a great league to be a part of. Now, you did play last year for a little bit in the KHL. And the one thing that I, I always love talking to guys, especially guys that we know about their times in the KHL, because there's always some wild stories and some real eye-opening moments. How did it come to pass that you went over to uh, Akbar's? Um, what was it like when you first got there, and how different was it from that NHL routine that you probably got pretty used to for all those years in the show? Well, I said forever I was never going to play in the KHL. I, I don't really enjoy flying, and that's probably one of the main things you do in the KHL. So. Uh, when I did sign the KHL, Alex Ovechkin called me and, and gave me a little bit of flack because he remembered when I told him in the NHL that I would never play there. So that's how the whole thing, uh, you know, after day one, how it started. But um, I, I came back. I was going to retire. I came back to try to make the Canadian Olympic team. Uh, so I needed to start skating. I needed to find a place to play. And uh, I settled uh, after playing in a tournament in Moscow. Uh, a bunch of KHL teams reached out. So I ended up signing, signing with... Uh, AK bars and uh, playing in Kazan. So that, that's kind of how it all started for me. How different is that league from uh, what we um, are used to seeing in, uh, in North America? You know, it, it isn't completely different. Um, you know, the, the travel is obviously more extreme, but uh, you know, there, I would say in that league, there's more people challenging players one-on-one, um, a, a little bit less structure, but for the most part, it's, it's a very skilled league. 
And, uh, you know, there's a lot of good players that, that are sitting over there right now. Hey, you mentioned Ovi, and we talked about Sid. I got to ask you about him. I mean, I'm sure you, you know, as a guy that already had a ring, we're pretty happy for so many of your former Capitals teammates, but especially Ovechkin. How did he change, you know, from uh, from a time when we think back to the Dale Hunter era, then into Adam Oates and to Barry Trotz? I mean, you know, he took a lot of flack over the years, um, and he turned into, um, well, a Stanley Cup champion and an all-time great in the game. I mean, what was it like being a teammate of Ovi, and um, what have you seen from him and his development to the player that, you know, is going to go down as one of the best to ever do it? Uh, I really enjoyed playing with Ovi. That guy is a ball of energy everywhere he goes. And, and what you see on the ice every day is how he is in the dressing room every day. I don't know how he, he continues to function at such a high frequency. He, he loves the game more than, more than most. And um, he just loves scoring goals and, and he'll do whatever he has to do to score goals. So it was really fun watching him kind of develop and, and play with him. Uh, you know, to, to say that I played with a guy like Sid and Ovechkin and, and Matthews and Thornton, like at, at the end of it all, it's just pretty special to, to be, you know, to have played with these guys right in their prime. How different, when you think back to just practice and being around the team, I mean, Sid seems like this quiet leader. You talked about him sort of leading by example and Ovi, um, you know, he's got the big personality. He's got the big shot. We know what they do on the ice, but, you know, at practice, how different were those guys as leaders, superstars, captains in their respective teams when you were there? Well, they were quite different. Um, you know, I, I can't really put a, a finger on it exactly, but but they definitely led in different ways. But at the end of the day, the whole team followed them, which, which is what you want. I mean, any team... That, that wins the Stanley Cup, that, that captain is, is doing something special because it, it really takes a lot to, to get to that next level. Every, every year there's probably 10 teams that could win the Stanley Cup. And, and if your team's going to get past all those guys, um, you, you've got some good leadership there. So um, obviously these guys are doing something right, and, and it was really special to, to be a part of it with these guys. Eric Fair is with us now. Eric, for, correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, while you have a great opportunity next year with the Winkler Flyers, which we'll get into, you're not officially retired. How hard is it for a player that's done it for so long, that's had a, such a big part of your life to say, okay, this is it, I'm officially done. And at the same time, do you expect hockey to be a big part of your life post-playing career, whenever that officially is? Yeah, it's extremely difficult. I mean, uh, I still watch the NHL just like everybody else does. And, and there's always part of it that says, I, I can still do that. You know, I can still do it. But, uh, you know, it, it's been fun. Um, it, it's nice that I've had a few years kind of away from the NHL where it's a little bit quieter uh, uh, in uh, Switzerland and in Russia and, and just a little bit of time to kind of wind down and, and really prepare myself mentally for, for retirement. And, um, you know, I don't expect to play next year. I'm hoping to to get into retirement, but um, there's always that itch where you, you feel like you can do it. You want to score goals. You want to be a part of a winning team, and um, it's really hard to give up for sure. Well, I mean, the Winkler Flyers, I think, were over the moon when uh, in your hometown they announced earlier that you'd be a director of player development. Tell us a little bit about that opportunity, why it was important to you to both be at home and be involved in hockey, and, uh, oh, you know, when you think big picture, uh, you know, what that might lead to beyond. Well, my best friend uh, is the the general manager coach of the Winkler Flyers. He's uh, he was there last year, and I was helping him as much as I could. And obviously, being away in Russia and doing all that other stuff, I wasn't able to help as much as I wanted. But uh, when I came back and decided that I was 
I was probably going to be done. Uh, you know, I took that job, and, and I'm excited to, to work with some of the young talent there. Uh, it was exciting to be a part of the draft, uh, the MJHL draft, and you know, talk to a lot of the players and watch some video and, and go to these camps to watch these guys. And there's definitely a, a large part of me that wants to be involved in, in hockey in some capacity. So I feel like this is a good way to, for me to kind of gauge what interests me and, and how I want to be involved in it in the future. So uh, I'm excited to, to work this year with the Flyers and with Justin Falk and uh, Ryan White, who, who's an assistant coach there as well. So we, we've got a, a good group of guys. Uh, we're going to have some fun and, and hopefully win some games. About to say, it's a pretty good crew you got there and the coaching staff in the front office, I'll say. Um, yeah. Have you thought about coaching? Or, I mean, I guess this is going to be sort of dipping your toe into it, enjoying it, giving back to your home community. And um, But, I mean, is there a possibility? I mean, you may pursue whether it be coaching and junior or professional or potentially some sort of front office work? Uh, I think for me, the player development or the management side would be more intriguing for me. Um, you know, if coaching uh, for me, I think I would probably get a little bit too involved as a player. I, I always got the heart rate up and I could see the refs uh, really uh, getting on me if I was a coach. So I think I'm going to stick to my strength and, um, I've always enjoyed working with players, even in the last couple of years of my career. You know, it's partially my job to help these young guys develop into to future NHL players. Uh, and, and in Geneva, that was one of the roles I had where, where I was actually offered a, a player coaching position to, to help these players develop. So um, there's definitely something there. I, I just love watching uh, passionate young players uh, trying to develop and, and see where they can go. Eric, uh, big day coming up on Friday. You got a golf tournament there in Winkler. Tell us about it. Uh, what you're raising money for, and uh, you must have a lot on your hands for the next 48 hours. We know how hectic it is planning and executing golf tournaments are. Yeah, there's a lot going on, and we're watching the weather, hoping it behaves for us. But uh, we have a tournament called the Hockey Champions Charity Golf Tournament, where Justin Falk and myself uh, put it on in, in Winkler, Manitoba, and, and this year we're raising money for Habitat for Humanity and the Winkler Family Resource, which is. Uh, uh, charity back in Winkler. So uh, we have a, a full full course expected for Friday and, and we're really looking forward to it. That's phenomenal, obviously, for a couple of great charities as well. Once uh, once you finish putting out and finish the dinner and get it to the weekend, uh, what's up for the rest of the summer before things get going with the Flyers? Uh, hopefully get a little bit of cabin time. I have a cabin. I've only been there once this year and uh, didn't really get to enjoy it. So I'm hoping to relax a little bit and, and have some family time, some quiet time. Um, and before the, the season wraps up. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, enjoy those couple months. Uh, we know how brief and how precious our summer days are here in Manitoba. Uh, and when you get back to uh, Southern Manitoba next fall, we'd love to catch up again, talk a little hockey, uh, NHL, as well as what's going on with the Winkler Flyers and the MJHL. Awesome. Yeah, I'd be happy to come on whenever you need me. I appreciate the time. Eric, great chat. All the best. Good luck with the tourney on Friday. Thank you. Have a great day. All right, great stuff with uh, Eric Fair. Thanks again, Eric, for popping on. We'll look forward to having him on the program as well again very, very soon. All right, Weaver's coming up from uh, Tampa at the Stanley Cup Final as we do that. Well, hey, it's Weaver time. You know what that means. Hydrate, everybody. Hydrate. And Culligan Water has you covered. Our friends at Culligan are the leaders in the water game for over 65 years here in Winnipeg and Southern Manitoba. They've got you covered with water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, drinking water systems, and citywide water delivery services, as well as commercial and industrial water products and solutions. Whether it's for the home, the cottage of the summer, or your business, 
Colligan has whatever you need. Pop by and see him at 1200 Sergeant Avenue. Give him a buzz at 694-5180 or check him out online at drinkcolligan.com. Oh, man, a great uh, chat with Donnie from Manitoba Battery. They are busy as heck right now, and that's why they're open until 8 p.m. Monday to Friday right now with extended hours so you can get all the batteries you need for the toys you'll be working on on the weekend. You need a boat, you got a boat, Sea-Doo, hot rod, golf cart, whatever it is. Manitoba Battery has literally batteries for everything. And the best part about it is you'll be shopping local and you'll save money and time as opposed to popping by Costco or Canadian Tire or any of the big box stores. Give them a buzz at 783-8787. The great staff at Manitoba Battery will get your order ready to go for a quick and easy pickup. Or you can find out more online at manitobabattery.com or pop by and see them at 1026 Logan Avenue. Uh, Royal Sports, ready for the game on Friday. Hey, it's the whiteout for the Bombers. Maybe you normally wear blue but want to mix some white in, pop by Royal Sports. They've got an incredible selection of blue bomber gear. Although, let's face it, most of it is blue, including the brand new alternate jerseys and those back-to-back championship hats. And if you're looking for merchandise for literally any team, they've got you covered. NFL, Major League Baseball, National Football League, NBA, International Soccer. And if you're playing the games, massive soccer section, softball, baseball, bikes, disc golf, tennis, and obviously we know they are the hockey superstore in Manitoba. Royal Sports, 750 Pemina Highway. Follow them on Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina for the latest merchandise drops and sale information. And hey, a big shout out to our friends at Aikens Lake as well. Man, I saw another massive master angler coming out of Aikens yesterday on Pitt Terrain's Twitter feed. Follow them at Aikens Lake. We're going to be heading out there in early August. Cannot wait for it. If you're thinking about a once-in-a-lifetime chance to for a, you enjoy a beautiful off-the-grid fly-in fishing location less than two hours from the city of Winnipeg, Aikens Lake is the spot. Find out more online at AikensLake.com. We are being invaded by the Mennonite Mafia today. First Eric Fair and now our guy Ken Weeb at the Stanley Cup Final, who this may shock many of you, but is right now. <laughs> well, the fact that he's drinking water won't shock any of you. But Ken's actually on his way for a haircut. Look at this hippie. What's going on? Plus, <laughs> great to be with you. Uh, great to be the, uh, you know, batting behind Eric Fair in the uh, Bald Brotherhood and member of the Mennonite Mafia. Uh, very good. Uh, we're great. happy, happy greetings from Tampa Bay. Uh, yes, this is hard to believe, but originally, Huss, I was only scheduled, as you know, to do the first two games of the Stanley Cup Finals. So uh, I did not trust the the trusty, I did not pack the trusty Oster 76 Clippers. So uh, at about the six-day mark, you get a little bit of too much fuzz at the back. So got to take her down to the wood here uh, as we get ready for game four. I can't imagine one of the, your other bald brethren on press row wouldn't have the utensils available that could save you the time and the trip. Toss, <laughs> I've been asking around. I, I had no, I had no luck. So, uh, so here we are. <laughs> um, Kenny, listen, there's a lot to get to. And of course I want to yeah. talk about the awards last night. And I do want to talk about the cup final, a big game tonight. Um, so much for not announcing any news during the cup final, huh? <laughs> um, yeah. The, the Peter DeBoer uh, to Dallas seems like old news at this point, but uh, right. man, Paul Maurice is back and he's in Florida with the Panthers. Uh, what did you think when you heard the news and uh, what's the scuttlebutt uh, around Tampa, but what's happened in South Florida with the coaching gig? 
Yeah, certainly top of mind today, Huss, at the morning skate for sure. I'm not shocked by this. Uh, to me, I think there were starting to be some rumblings that there was maybe one job that Paul would be interested in. Uh, it was going to be tough to pinpoint. But, I mean, obviously this is a ready-baked kind of situation where you have a great veteran roster, you have a team that kind of took a step forward but hasn't been able to get over the hump. Uh, Paul was in a position where he could be a little bit picky and choosy when it came to who he might want to interview with. Uh, I think that he's finally got to the point, you know, it's been about six months and change. So he's feeling a little bit energized after being kind of burnt out from the coaching ranks. And he's going to a situation where there are high expectations. He's okay with that. He's dealt with that before, but now he's going to a place where he's probably going to have, and again, some Jets fans may disagree, but this is probably going to be the best roster he's had in terms of where the group is, Huss. I think you could argue that in 2018, the Jets roster was comparable but they still had a lot of players on those ELCs and they hadn't really had the experience in the playoffs. So Panthers have experience. They just haven't been able to kind of push through in their division past their state rivals. So I think it's a great situation for Paul Maurice. Uh, the buzz this morning, and again, we don't know if this is going to happen, but it sounds like the Panthers would like Andrew Brunette to stick around as an associate coach because they still believe in him. But, I mean, that's an awfully tough ask where you had the job, and now, you know, they still love you, but they kind of like the guy with a little bit more experience to be the guy running the majority of the things. It's more of a kind of a grooming situation, I guess, if that's what transpires. So super interested to see how that works out. I mean, it's a big opportunity for Paul. There's no doubt about that. You know, he's got, you know, what, say what you want about Bobrovsky. They got Spencer Knight. Spencer Knight could be the Panthers Connor, version of Connor Hellebuck, right? He's not there yet, but they're, you know, great projections for him. They've got great talent. You know, we know that Paul can play an up-tempo game, and I think the advantage that the Panthers have compared to the Jets, their defense core is pretty solid, and they're and they're willing to defend, which is one of the biggest problems the Jets have had the last couple seasons. Well, obviously, notwithstanding knowing the challenges they had on the back end uh, in terms of personnel prior to last year when they made those upgrades. Why Maurice? Why Maurice? Well, uh, good. I mean. This is a guy who coached for a long time, Huss. I mean, we know where he stands. Yes, he is first in first in losses, but he's also one of the winningest coaches around. And yes, a lot of that has to do with longevity, but, I mean, we've seen him. It's Paul's not just a smart guy at the podium. And, you know, were there some things he would have liked to have done differently in Winnipeg? Sure, but the body of work would suggest Paul's a guy that, that can connect with players, usually does better with the more veteran team. Yes, there are some young players, but... The, the majority of the core, they're veteran guys. So uh, I think that's a good situation for him, Huss. And, you know, I, I won't be surprised to see them continue on their ascension. I mean, are they going to win the President's Trophy? That's an awfully tall task. But it all, all that matters right now for Bill Zito and the Florida Panthers <laughs> is to be able to win in the playoffs. Now, we won't know if Paul Maurice can do that job until, you know, next April, May, June. But I think it, it's a good situation for them and it's a good situation for the Panthers. Why do you think, you know, we've been asked this, you know, there's been some Panthers fans coming into the chat and, uh, you know, some yep. other stuff on Twitter today. Why, I mean, the Jets had that great ascension to 2018. We talked about the disappointment of the 2019 season. Why do you think, um, or what lessons do you think Maurice would have to build on in Florida considering the downturn of the hockey club over the last two seasons? 
Well, Huss, I mean, Florida's going to a situation where there's no there's no built-in drama. There's no departure of the, you know, the the heartbeat of the team. There's no loss of the second line center who's the conscience of the team. There's no uh, second overall pick that's been asked to be traded. So um, I understand what people are saying. Oh, well, if he couldn't fix the problem in Winnipeg, how can he fix it in, in Florida? Well, Florida has different problems. And the problems that they have are not related to culture. So to me, this is a non, it's a non-issue or a non-entity. I mean, he's going to a place where I think that Florida has a pretty solid, um, you know, not to say the Jets don't, but their, their situation with their leadership and their young players having the roles that they want. Uh, I, I don't think if you went to the Florida Panthers, Huss, there aren't six players that are, that are demanding to have more ice time the way that the Jets did. Uh, with certain individuals, whether that was Lina himself or a Jack Rosovic or, uh, you know, continue to go down the list. Uh, you know, everyone who thought they were getting squeezed out because Shifley and Wheeler were playing 24 minutes a game. The Panthers don't have that issue, Huss. So will there be some players who are disappointed? Sure. But uh, Paul Maurice is going to bring a lot of experience. And like you said, lessons learned. I mean, I, I think that, uh, you know, maybe you gave their stars a little bit too much at times in this, in this scenario with the Jets. But uh, live and learn. And again, what, what we've known about Paul Maurice for a long time, Huss, even going back to when he first came here, this is a guy that's not afraid to do some to some soul searching and homework. I mean, this is a guy that went to the KHL in a place where almost nobody spoke English, spent a year doing that. He spent a year and change doing media. He went to the minor leagues, Huss. I mean, this is a guy who has reinvented himself before. I don't think he had to change a whole lot, but I think you'll look for a couple of tweaks. And I think Paul's going to do a great job there. I really do. Um, Ken, hot on the heels of that announcement, yep. Blake Wheeler appears on uh, our pal yep. Frank's trade bait board, and not just on the board, but at number three. Um, listen, w- what's your reaction to that? What do you know about the situation with Wheeler and the Jets? And is this tied to the fact that Paul Maurice is now in a spot that probably Blake would be more than willing to go to? No, I don't see a connection there, Huss. I mean, obviously, would, Paul, would Blake play for Paul again? Sure, but... Uh, I don't see the Florida Panthers being able to make room for Blake's money. Uh, was there a, you know, uh, sorry, I just don't see a fit. Uh, could Blake be moved in the offseason? Uh, you and I have discussed this before. I mean, I think that Blake would be more open to a change of scenery. I'm not saying that he has demanded to be moved. Uh, but what we've seen in the last few years, us, is very simple. Blake is, was, even in the best of times, he's not a guy who loved the spotlight. Uh, I think that there's been a lot of stress in the situation over the last couple of years. And again, I, I think that it would be, I, I'm thinking that both parties would, would be looking. But again, there, there are some challenges to moving a contract that's $8.25 million, even with a 60-plus point player. I mean, most of the contenders don't have room to add on that salary. So if you're Winnipeg, you either need to add a sweetener or you need to eat half the money. So which one of those situations is more palatable to you, Huss? I mean, that's what Kevin Sheveldayoff and his staff will have to decide if they get to the point where that is what they decide to do. Again, this is, this is something sim- similar to Shifley, Huss. This is not a point of no return situation for either party, but I think they would be op- both sides are probably open to a change. But, I mean, we'll see what transpires. I mean, there have been lots of people who have asked outwardly for a trade that, that stuck around a little bit longer than all of us thought. Um, but what I would say, and I've said this to you before, the more surprising thing will be if Blake Wheeler finishes his contract as a member of the Winnipeg Jets, not if or when he is moved. Yeah, you know, and, and listen, I, I've been skeptical as to the ability. I mean, first of all, I know that the no move turns into a very limited no trade with five teams after the 1st of July. 
Right. And I've said a number of times I'm skeptical because of the money, what you just mentioned. I mean, how movable Wheeler is, certainly compared to Shifley. And that's part of the reason why we focused in on Shifley quite a bit, as well as the value that he'd be getting where he's at his career and all that. But when you look at this, in your opinion, knowing the marketplace of the National Hockey League right now, and Remus said it, you know, we've talked all along about guys that have immovable contracts that then get moved. And I don't think that move, the, the contract is completely immovable, but no. it's not it's not great uh, in comparison to many of the other players and where he's at in his career. If the Jets do move Blake Wheeler, in your opinion, Ken, what does that trade look like? Well, yeah, so you, you got to be looking for a couple of clues here, Huss. One of the clues is there are teams that need to get to the floor, right? The cap, the cap is going up by $1 million. There are teams who have barely any players under contract for next year. And yes, I'm looking at you, Arizona Coyotes. Um, there are teams that will need to get to the floor uh, if the Jets make it worth their while. I don't know if that's a pick or a prospect or whatever it is. If there's some sort of sweetener, there's a there could be an appetite uh, for Blake to move. I mean, there would be a little bit of a circle of life scenario, Huss, if it were the Arizona Coyotes. And again, I'm not saying that it is. Would he, connect, connect would he ever accept? Connect a few of the dots. Just let, let I, me ask you this: no, Like, I, I mean, we don't. He wants to win a cup. He wants to win sure. a cup, right? I mean, yeah. like, I, I don't know. Me personally, I don't think he's saying, "Yeah, I'll go to Arizona," unless he well, really Huss, desperately wants to get the hell out of Winnipeg. Huss, one quick thing: it goes against everything in Blake Wheeler's fiber as a competitor. Yes. But one of his best friends in the NHL plays there and seems to have re resurrected his career. One of his other best friends from college is there, or he was there. He's a UFA in Phil Kessel. Uh, I think that Blake may be reaching a point in his career where the, the, uh, the idea or the option to just show up to the rink in flip-flops, play some golf, enjoy. Like, I just don't, this is, this is the thing for me, as we've discussed this. I don't think Blake Wheeler enjoyed hockey last year. At least he didn't look like someone who, who took the same level of joy from it. And guess what? When you're losing a lot and not living up to your expectations as a team and you're the leader of that team, it's not supposed to be fun, right? If he was, if he was walking around with a smile on his face when the team is struggling, there would be greater concerns than what the concerns are right now. So, again, I'm not saying this is a match made in heaven by any stretch, Huss. I'm just saying that it's a possibility now that we would have never thought about three or four years ago. I mean... Am I saying it's likely to happen? Not necessarily. But what I am saying is that, like what you said, I mean, there aren't a ton of teams that are on the precipice of winning the cup that are saying, you know what I could use? A 36-year-old who's making $8.25 million, even though that 36-year-old is he still a productive player at almost a point-of-game level. So um, it's an interesting dynamic. There's no doubt about that. And here's the other part, Huss, and I'll go for the segue for us right here. What what was happening in the discussions with Barry Trotz? I mean, what's Barry Trotz saying about what he needs out of a leadership group if he's going to take the job? And how are those conversations going regarding Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler? Um, so to me, that's the other part of the dynamic. And, you know, if Barry's saying we can work with this, then that's fine. If Barry's saying this has got to be something that we move on from, well, then I'm guessing the chances of a trade would be more likely. So in your opinion, if Wheeler is dealt, I mean, is this something where the Winnipeg Jets are basically getting rid of the contract or is there the potential that they could get some sort of return? Oh, I don't think there would be a massive return coming back, even though, like I said, Blake Wheeler is still a productive player. But I think that if you're looking for a change in terms of, you know, we talked about this all year. Are you looking for a change in your leadership? Are you wanting to 
allow there to be a little bit more oxygen to be in the room for some of those younger guys to spread their wings and become greater leaders or have a greater voice. That's what you would be looking at. But um, would the Jets be getting back, a, you know, a top prospect in return? No. I mean, they're probably going to be getting a draft pick or something and they might have to throw in something extra. But I mean, Blake is still going to be a productive player. There's no doubt about that. He has won the race against Father Time before, but as you and I both know, Father Time is undefeated. So at some point, the production is going to dip, but Blake is still a you know pretty conscientious player, and he's going to be able to contribute to a power play on a team. So uh, again, this is a fascinating time for the organization, Huss. We know the coaching search is kind of the primary focus right now, but I mean, the fact that, you know, it, 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 let's just say it this way, and we know how this business works. It's not an accident that Blake Wheeler has ended up on that list that Frank has, right? Someone's talking, whether that's agents or teams or GMs or whatever. You don't just randomly pull the rabbit out of the hat and say, you know what the Jets really need to do? Trade their captain. So it's interesting. Yeah. Well, I, you know, listen, it is. And, you know, when I look at Florida, I've been like, just staring at their cap friendly page for like right. the hour before the show, trying to see. And the, the Bobrovsky, we've already heard. I mean, you mentioned Spencer Knight. He's the guy going forward. And they owe Bob $10 million <laughs> a year for right. a number of years. Which, which sorry, Huss, that's why I don't think Florida is a fit because they're well, already going to be eating half the salary. So how, suddenly you're going to turn around and get half of Blake's salary? Well, I, I let me know. ask that you this: Seem to add up very well for me. Could there be a three-way deal? Could there oh, be a th- well, sure, could, okay. Could there be a three-way deal where Bob ends up somewhere else that has a major goaltending need? Okay. Uh, and I know he's got a no move, so I mean, but I think if he says, "Hey, you're not going to play," there's other teams that really want you. Right. Heck, a team like Edmonton. I mean, Edmonton needs a goaltender. I mean, if there's some salary retained, and essentially, if they could turn Bob into Wheeler, and then the Jets facilitate getting something back from a team that needs a goalie. I mean, is that something that could be somewhat realistic in your opinion? Also, I love the creativity, but like the Oilers are already in their own cap hell. So uh, in terms of having a, a benefactor, mutually beneficial third party, I mean, uh, the difficulty there, Huss, is that teams can only retain up to three contracts, right? So Arizona was always an issue last year because they already had two, I think. So I don't know which one is coming off the books or not, but uh, it would be, let's just say it would be complex and complicated, but I'd give you points for creativity. Um, Ken, let's just say Wheeler does move. What, where does that leave Mark Shifley? Um, I mean, we've always talked about Shifley and Wheeler, Wheeler and Shifley. And part of the reason why I kind of have been talking about a potential Shifley move is that it gets back to shaking up the leadership core, allowing some of the younger players to step up and take more opportunity. Um, We've often thought about a Shifley trade and where that leaves Wheeler. What would happen if it's the other way around, in your opinion? I don't think it's as big a deal as we used to think us, to be honest. And we saw it at the end of the year. Wheeler was with Dubois the majority of the time. And yes, there was a Shifley injury involved, but the, the move happened before the injury. So I don't see them as tied at the hip as they once were. That's not to say, I mean, this was a relationship that was a very good one for both parties for a very long time. And it's not to say that they couldn't play together again, but I, I don't think if you move one, you have to move both. But I mean, it's not impossible that both could be on the move. But as we know, the complicated part of that scenario is that the Jets aren't going to move Pierre-Luc Dubois and Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler unless they're planning a full-on rebuild. And as we've said many times, for an organization that had zero sellouts last year, 
and that the finances weren't great in terms of the COVID times, I don't see the Jets embracing a rebuild. Uh, they're, you know, they're not going to trade Connor Hellebuck, so they're going to try to maximize this window. So, like, I understand everyone is, like, wanting change, and they want everything to happen overnight. And like we said last week, I mean, there's a lot that can happen between now and the beginning of October. But I think that the new, the new coach is going to want to assess, make his own assessments, and it doesn't necessarily include trading all of those players. But it could include trading, you know, two of those players, if not just one. But... Uh, it, we're sort of putting the cart before the horse here, Huss. And I, I know it makes for great radio and, and YouTube TV, but I mean, it really depends on what Barry Trotz wants. If that's what, if that, if he wants to take the job, right. I mean, and then it's one thing to want to do it. You need to have a team that's going to facilitate the moves, right? I mean, it's not like we're trading hockey cards when we're kids and you think you can pull the wool over your eyes of your buddy and say, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, that Gretzky rookie, I'll give you a Yaroslav Pozar for it. You know, like it's, we're not going to be able to do that here. So um, it's Peter Shirelli, Peter Shirelli's mom doesn't allow him to trade hockey cards anymore, and he's no longer <laughs> involved in the group. So it's all happening. Um, the trade is the trade is one for one. <laughs> Ken, um, it did take us a little while, shockingly, to get to Barry Trotz. Um, sure. What are you hearing on the uh, Jets coaching search? Where are things at? We knew there was scheduled to be a meeting on the weekend. It got pushed back. Um, what are you hearing? And uh, are you? Uh, where, where, where's the Trotso meter in uh, in Weaves World today? Yeah, the Trotso meter, I would say, slightly beyond 50. Uh, I don't think Barry has decided yet. Uh, I don't have it down, locked down completely, Huss. I do believe the meeting has took taken place. Uh, I believe Barry is mulling over his uh, thoughts after that meeting has taken place, and I think the Jets are waiting as patiently as possible. Uh, but <laughs> we know that uh, waiting patiently is not always easy to do when you're waiting for your first choice. Uh, but ultimately, it comes down to what we've been talking about for the last month. I mean, is Barry ready to be coaching full-time? Or does he feel like he needs to take a step back? And I don't know the answer to that question. And I, I'm still of the belief that Barry is not necessarily 100% sure. So uh, we know that it's taken some time. And like we had from the very beginning, from the initial conversation that was held, there's an element of Barry interviewing the Jets in terms of what it's going to look like and and what the relationship is going to be and what the transition plan to management might be. So all of these things are in play. And, and as we know, we've talked about it. You and I have talked about it. Jeff and I and Jeff and you have talked about it. Uh, I think Murad has mentioned to you and probably Mike. Um, Barry's family situation is incredibly important to him. He, is, he has a child with special needs and they need to have a situation where they're entirely comfortable. They have a built-in situation like that in Nashville where they lived previously for a long time. That's not to say they can't find a comfortable situation in Manitoba. And us, you work for True North. They will have, begun, they will have gone out of their way to lay out the plan to help facilitate that being as smooth as possible. But at the end of the day, it's going to be up to what Barry and his family decides is best for them. Uh, I've said this before. I don't know this from firsthand knowledge, but to me, from what I know about Barry Trotz from dealing with him over the, you know, the last 11 years, and even dating back to when he spoke at one of the Bison's dinners, this guy loves coaching. I'm not saying he wouldn't love to be in management at some point. Coaching is in his blood. He wants to feel the day-to-day. Now, could he have some level of burnout the same way that Paul Maurice did? Of course he could. The pandemic was hard on a number of coaches from conversations I've been having with people around the league. But at the end of the day, much like the Jets, the Islanders didn't make the playoffs. So, you know, Barry's probably feeling differently in June than he did in April. And he's probably going to be feeling differently in July than he did in June. So 
it's just a matter of what we said. You got to find that balance between are you comfortable with the timing? Are you comfortable with the investment? And then are you comfortable with putting your planting your flag in the ground? Because that's the thing with Barry. He, he didn't go to a situation where his future was very much up in the air, right? So a, a stress, a, a high stress situation like Vegas, that wasn't something that was going to appeal to him as much, even though the roster was really good. So for Barry, it, it, to me, it comes down to whether he wants to coach or not. We talked about this last week. I would say Detroit is kind of the sleeper team, kind of below the radar. But I think the Jets are a little bit more advanced in terms of their roster. But if Detroit gets a goaltender, then all of a sudden with the pieces like Mo Sider, Calder Trophy winner, and Lucas Raymond and Dylan Larkin, well, Detroit would have some appeal also, depending on how their offseason plays out. So I think Barry's still very much mulling things over. But I, I, I'm going to put the Weeble meter at slightly above 55%. Um. Speaking of Detroit, uh, I'd be interested, and we'll get to the Cup final in just a sec. But I mean, you're talking. I mean, everyone is there covering the uh, covering the, the the Cup final. Tampa Bay's in it. Um, I don't know. I'm just sort of expecting that when this Cup final is uh, finished, one of the Tampa assistants is the new head coach of the Detroit Red Wings. Is that just too simple a connection to make? I don't think it's too simple, but I think that the the timelines are a little bit different, right? I think that. By the time Eiserman left, I'm not sure that I, I meant to check this before I came on, Hus, but I'm not certain that Jeff Halpern was already there or if he was still in Washington. He may have already been there. Uh, and in terms of Lalonde, he may have been the American League by the time Steve left and the transition happened uh, to Julian Breezebois. But um, I, I do think that both those guys are getting a lot of love. Um, like I said, I used the analogy that you had last, last time. They're like the Chiefs assistants right now, the KC Chiefs assistants. Mm-hmm. They're getting a lot of love as they should be, rightfully so. Two sharp guys uh, in the lawn and Jeff Halpern. Halpern this morning, just a little bit of his side. Like, he's out there on the ice with Pat Maroon and Nick Paul doing these little back, you know, little little puck drills at the end of the morning optional. And uh, both really sharp guys. Uh, I mean, there's the other part about Steve. He would trust what's happening in the organization, knowing Julian Brisebois and knowing John Cooper and knowing the things that those two guys value in assistant coaches. So do I think that they would be in the mix? For Detroit, absolutely. Uh, do I think it's a lock? Well, it's impossible because Steve is like one of the key, like Steve's become like the new Lou Lamarillo in terms of his ability to keep things kind of on the down low. And now Pat Verbeek, who was in the staff with with Steve Eiserman, is sort of trying to become the next guy. So at a time when we're all asking for more transparency, um, we're starting to, to run into some of the old school mentality uh, when it comes to management. But guess what? It's worked out pretty well for Steve in terms of how he's worked on his team. So tough to blame up to blame him for the reapproach, even if we may not love it as a media member. Ken Weba Sportsnet is at the cup final game four tonight between the lightning and the avalanche. Take us back to game three. I mean, I think we saw the hockey version of the undertaker <laughs> gift right in front of our eyes. Uh, you know, got the benefit of a no goal on a challenge, go down one, nothing. And then the beast awoke. Yeah, no doubt. And, and even too, even though it's, it's not a game that Andre Vasilevsky had to steal us. Vasilevsky making that you know right pad save on JT Confer on that backhand open netter, that was the epitome of the Undertaker coming out of the coffin right there, right? I mean that was that was vintage Hulkamania like giving it the old uh, shaking <laughs> the shaking part, and then he, what do you what do you what are you gonna do, brother? Um, it was impressive. I mean here's they the got thing. the leg drop. They they definitely got the leg drop. They got the Randy Macho Man Savage off the top rope. They got the Jimmy Superfly Snooka headbutt. Uh, they got the DDT. They got everything. They got they get they got they got all the wrestling moves. Uh, shake, rattle, and roll. You name it. 
Uh, and they also probably, it felt like they, they gave him the honky tonk man guitar right over the top of the head, but, um, <laughs> sorry, sorry to dig into the buffet of the 1980s wrestling right there. But, uh, uh, I love the effort. I love the ability, the result, you know, we use the word resilient all the time, often, you know, to an excessive level, but this was the ultimate show of resiliency. Um, if they lose and they're down three, nothing, you can forget about it. You can put it on the board. Yes. Uh, for your Vanderbilt Wright reference of the day. Uh, but the Lightning are a proud group, right, Huss? What do we talk about after the first two games? Outside of the one dangled, Nikita Kucherov was invisible. Steven Stamkos had yet to check into the series. Victor Hedman was struggling. Vasilevsky didn't look like himself. Well, none of those things were true in Game 3. And that's exactly what the Lightning needed. They need their stars to shine. That's what happened. Uh, and again, it's amazing how much you can generate when you actually have the puck on your stick, right? The first two games they were chasing and their puck management was horrible, and they didn't get as many saves as they're used to getting. And the, light, or the, the, the Lightning looked like they were skating in quicksand, and the Avalanche were at warp speed. So the tables kind of turned a little bit. The, the goaltending was, I wouldn't say it was shaky for the Avalanche. I mean, Kemper wasn't great, but they also didn't really get to their game, which is something, their forecheck was so tenacious in the first two games, it was giving the, the Lightning defense score fits. Uh, that just didn't happen. Miko Rantanen said to me right after the game, he's like, we didn't skate. I mean, we didn't, we didn't turn any pucks over. They didn't get as much zone time, but they still generated like 37 shots. So um, this is what we talk about all the time. On the games where the Avalanche are mediocre to good, they're a beatable team. On the days where they crank it up to the level that we haven't seen from any other team in the league this year, not that they run away with it, but they're awfully hard to keep up with us. So as long as your goaltending holds up, I think it it could be easily a three to one situation. Now, having said that, if I'm the if I'm the Avalanche, Andre Vasilevsky was excellent in Game Three. He still could steal one. So all of a sudden, if it's two two, now you got some now you got some action going, right? Because the the, the thing about the Avalanche, they've been breaking through a lot of their narratives, Haas, so far this year. But people are still thinking about last year where they were up to nothing on Vegas. And then all of a sudden they lost 4-2. So the other thing for me is that they've learned from some of those mistakes. Gabe Landeskog, great leadership. Nathan McKinnon. Here's the thing. I wrote about McKinnon after game three, Huss. I don't think he played poor by any stretch. He had 13 shot attempts. So when you have 13 shot attempts, you're involved in the game. But he hasn't scored a goal yet. And Nathan McKinnon is a guy, he's got extreme confidence. He is dangerous for himself and his line mates. And the power play is ridiculous. But if McKinnon scores, it provides a different type of lift, right? You can get a lift from a, you know, Darren Helm scoring or Rantanen or Landeskog. But when McKinnon scores, the place is go like the team just gets this massive uprising because of how good a player he is and how dialed in he is. So to me, I think that McKinnon is about to leave his trademark signature moment on this series. I'm not sure. The crystal ball is a bit cloudy. It's either going to come in game four or game five, but it feels like it's right on the verge. And if that moment happens, it's funny. We've been using this analogy all the time. You remember when we were in Finland, Hus, when Temu Salani used the, the ketchup bottle. If you keep tapping on the top <laughs> of the ketchup bottle, all of a sudden it's going to just absolutely be pouring all over those French fries. Uh, lo and behold, that night, Lani had a hat trick. Uh, I'm not saying you can mark down McKinnon for the hat trick on the cool bet lines, but I do think McKinnon is going to have a, a signature moment here. And whether that's enough or not remains to be seen. But uh, I'm expecting McKinnon to elevate, whether it's tonight or, or Friday night, 
Uh, like I said, I think he's playing fine, and he's got a tough matchup with Sorelli. But I think that he's about to absolutely erupt in this series. And if he does that, you know, Vasilevsky or not, that's a tough, tough thing to overcome, especially for a team that's going to be without Braden Point again tonight and a team that could be getting Nazem Kadri back mm. after he joined the group finally this morning. Now, just quickly, let me bring this in for the podcast listeners that may not have been watching the video, but Ken has been walking <laughs> for this entire interview. Now, you started this in Tampa. Is this barbershop in Orlando? I mean, look, how, how, how many miles have you put on while we've been talking? Us, you know, I got to keep the step count up for my for my good friends on the, on the, and followers here. Uh, and and also, I'd be like, I'd like to tell you that you know, for all the people who think that altitude is is not a real thing and that it's BS. I'm telling you right now, when I was doing the walk and talks in in uh, in Denver, especially Saturday morning with the with our friends over at the Illegal Curve, man, I had to hit mute a couple times because I was panting. I had by the time we got to the arena, so there was uh, lots of speculation bit... that you had just been to one of those sweet Colorado dispensaries. <laughs> to be honest, untrue, untrue, Hus. You know me well. That would not be happening. But uh, but no, man, it's uh, this is going to be such a fun game. Uh, it, and again, it feels like Kadri's playing, right? So. I kind of, I kind of had Game Four penciled to begin with. I thought for surely Game Five, maybe Game Four. Uh, Kadri was flying around today. He wasn't really shooting a lot, so people are, you know, skeptical. But for me, probably going to get the old freezing injection before the game, give it everything that he has. But I bet you he walked into Jared Bednar's office today and said, "Hey, I'm ready to go here. I'm ready to check into the series. Team needs me. I'm ready to go. Unshackle me and let me let me loose here because I think." And people say, oh, well, what if he can't shoot? Well, well, what happened the other day when Kale McCarr was on a two-on-one with Andrew Cogliano? It didn't prevent Kale McCarr from scoring, even though the whole building knew they probably weren't going to pass it over. Uh, and Kadri's so involved in the game that you don't need him to be shooting. You don't need him to have 13 shot attempts like Nathan McKinnon. You just need to have him involved. And then he's the kind of guy that he's in the guts of the game. He's heavily invested emotionally. Uh, he's a physical guy. He's a smart player. He was working with the second penalty or power play unit. So for me, I expect Kadri to be in the lineup. And this is not a smoke screen. This is a guy who's ready to roll. And you're getting a huge piece back, especially when that team is missing Andre Burakovsky uh, for a second consecutive game here. Kenny, people are loving this one. This was an all-timer, <laughs> I think. You know, I, I love when you're on location. We got the walking tour of uh, the Tampa Bay, St. Pete area. Um, good luck with the haircut. I hope it doesn't take... How long does your haircut take, by the way? I mean, is it's this... It's going to be about a six-minute. I think the next time we could have gone for the live shot, we could have put the old uh, iPhone up. and uh, It would not have taken long. It's probably... A, it's like probably a seven-minute job, I'm guessing. Basically, a, a two-answer two haircut. That's pretty exactly, much what we need. Exactly. One, one trip to the, the buffet. Hustle, the, hustle, the hustler preamble would have covered it. <laughs> <laughs> Ken, great stuff. Hey, we missed you at the Rady dinner last night. It was a great time, great awesome. night for the community. But uh, we'll look forward to seeing you when you get back. But as I said, I hope you're back in Tampa because uh, this series is uh, too good to be too short. Obviously, it was just great for fans with no skin in the game to see this one. You know, avoid going 3 nothing, And I'll uh, tell you what, I'm hoping the Lightning win tonight just so we can be assured of a minimum of two more games and hopefully three. Yeah, right on, Hustin. Have a great event. I'm sorry I'm going to miss the uh, Little Brown Jug event on Friday, but uh, sounds like it'll be a fun time and uh, a really great event. And uh, we'll, we'll see if I, I don't... <laughs> let's just put it this way. I don't think they'll be handing out the free beer on Friday quite yet, but uh, uh, I think we're inch, things are inching closer on the Trot's watch, trots watch, I would say. 
Well, as I say, just quickly on that, I know Pierre did report that he thought that Barry Trotz's decision would be in and around Canada Day. Is that sort of yeah. what you're thinking? I mean, at some point next week, we should have clarity one way or the other. I'm thinking I'm thinking that's a pretty accurate timeline. Unless, you know, again, if this is a matter of Barry waking up one morning and it like, the moment hits you, it could happen sooner. But again, we, we what we know about this process, Huss, it's been very thorough. So I wouldn't expect it to take an awful lot longer. but once you've waited this long, you want to make sure you make the right decision for you and your family. And, and that's why I think that Barry's getting to a, a situation where he's very close to making that decision. Hey, just very quickly on, on that. Could they be at a situation where they actually know what the answers are and there's a bunch of other details that need to be figured out, whether it be coaching staff, some things that are outside of the actual job that he's signing up to do? I'll put it this way. I'm not saying that's impossible, but that's an awfully big secret to be trying to keep when you have everybody prodding around that secret so and those things that you mentioned those are things you sort out after you don't have to roll those out all at the same time when the jets get to the situation where they can announce barry trotz if he says yes they're going to be running to a podium to get that that announced because it's a good news story for them and for the organization so i honestly this is my personal opinion i do not think the jets know the answer i do not think barry knows the answer himself yet so do i think something's in place no is it possible that it is Sure, but that's that's not the sense that I get. But having said that, again, I, I don't know that firsthand. My understanding is that things are getting close on both sides, but the decision is still yet to be made. But as we know, Huss, that could change with one phone call. That phone call may have happened, but uh, I don't have any information that would lead me to believe that there is anything in place at this stage of the game. Well, we all know the way we want it to end. I'm here for it. They want to take another few days. It's good for business. We'll roll right into a very exciting draft week for the Winnipeg Jets and the rest of the NHL. Kenny, thanks so much for doing this. This was awesome. Uh, enjoy the game tonight. Travel safely out to Denver, and we'll catch up soon. Enjoy the tilt and have a great week, my friend. Take care. Cheers. Right on. There it is. What what an epic visit from Weaver today on the program. That was phenomenal. Uh, and yes, great, great comments in the chat throughout as well. Um, of course, uh, check out Ken's work at sportsnet.ca. He will be um, in the rooms after the game, uh, writing on Sportsnet, and um, hopefully maybe a little K&R on the tube as well. We'll see what comes about that. All right, we are going to talk some Bombers. Big game Friday night against the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Uh, before we do that, of course, I did mention this yesterday very briefly, but Brooks Kepka, bye-bye. He's off to the Live Golf Tour along with Abraham Anser and the PGA Tour today, adding some new events and some more money into the pot, trying to maintain the fact that they've got all the best golfers in the world for the most part and trying to eliminate the uh, further defections to the live golf tour of course when we talk golf on winnipeg sports talk we talk about it for breezy bend check out breezybend.ca and all the amazing features of the club if you're thinking about making it a permanent home for you and your family and of course Corey johnson our good friend the gm over there always there to take your questions about getting on the waiting list and making breezy your golfing home next season uh, not Auto Corp. They'll be at the game on the weekend. I think Knott's got a little spot out at the uh, Princess Auto tailgate before the game as well. Um, of course, if you're thinking about a new vehicle, head on down to Not Auto Corp before you do anything else. Why not get into the car of your dreams at an amazing price with the help of the Not team? And if you're thinking about going electric, 
Check out the Teslas on the lot as well as their Tesla experience program to uh, guide you into making that decision whether you think an electric car is right for you. Not Autocorp, Waverly and McGilvery and online at not.ca. Big game tonight, Lightning and Avs game four. No better place to watch that than your local Boston pizza. New summer menu right now. I tried the carnitas pizza the other day. It was awesome. But my favorite thing is the pizza pairs. You can get a bunch of different pies. That's available right now at a great price. Uh, and, of course, you've got happy hour from 3 to 6 and 9 to 12 at all participating local Boston pizzas. Great spa to, a spot to watch the game with your gang tonight. And, of course, if you're staying home, you can also order online at bostonpizza.com. Kenny Weeb did mention, if you missed it earlier, we're live at a Little Brown Jug on Friday afternoon. Pop down and join us and stick around for a couple pints afterwards. Really looking forward to seeing uh, many folks. And again, if you want to pop by earlier or a little later on at the end of the show, all are welcome. Should be a great way to kick off the weekend and pregame for that big bomber game coming up on Friday night. As I mentioned earlier, don't forget to check out that Princess Auto tailgate party beforehand. Great deals, $5 beers, 350 hot dogs, 350 soft drinks, DJ finesse spinning. I know the Princess Auto crew is going to be out there with some swag for fans. Uh, so it's a great way to start off the game. And of course, Princess Auto is where you'll find uh, all the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Visit them at Panet Road or Portage Avenue West or shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. All right, let's get ready for Bombers Ticats on Friday and welcome in for his second appearance on WST, the Bombers' leading receiver, Greg Ellingson. Greg, it's great to have you back on the program. How are you? I'm good. Uh, thanks for having me. Just, you know, finished day two here. It's a little bit rainy, so you got to, you know, have those days so we can prepare just in case on game day, you know, we get a little showers. Hey, you know, the last time we had you uh, uh, with us on the program, you just signed. We saw the big dog, Ogan. You were chilling out before coming to camp. I mean, uh, what have the last couple months been like? And uh, how have uh, your first few weeks in Winnipeg been? Yeah, you know, uh, it was an interesting camp here. Uh, I think it's the first time in, in the nine years I played up here that I had to go through sunshine, snow, and hail on the same day in camp. So, you know, that, that was definitely an adjustment, but it was fun. Um, you know, got to know the guys a little bit, got to connect with those teammates that, you know, I haven't had before. And there actually are a lot of familiar faces on this team that I've played with before. So it's, it's nice to see those guys again and also build that relationship with the other guys. And, you know, aside from that, uh, Odin uh, made it to Ottawa for for our game there. You know he's on he's on the trip from Tampa to Ottawa and then Ottawa out to Winnipeg. And um, you know it's good to start the season two and zero. Um, even though I don't think we're playing our best football yet, I think we will get there um, as the season goes on. And um, it's better to have you know some rough games with the the wins than it is the rough games with the the losses. No, no, no doubt about that. Hey, just before we talk about the games. Um... You know, you're a veteran. You've been on a lot of really quality teams. You've done a lot of great things. What's it like coming into a new team in a new dressing room, one that's won the last two championships? Um, it's been good. I think uh, that's one thing you can see in the organization is you know how they conduct themselves uh, in and out of the locker room. You know, guys coming in early for for uh, you know workouts, and you know, I mean, day twos. You know, we have all the receivers coming in early, seven thirty for workouts, and you know. That's something that uh, pays dividends throughout the year. You know, you get closer with that group of guys that you're working with on the field. Uh, you put that extra work in every day, you know, put those daily deposits in and 
you know, that stuff pays off because not, not every team does that. And not every team I've been around does that, that has groups that get together like we have been with, with meeting rooms and uh, meeting time after practice or before or, or that extra work time. So, you know, that's something different. And you can kind of see that as the culture that they've built here. And um, it's good to be part of it. How, uh, how have you liked working with offensive coordinator Buck Pierce? And uh, what have you learned about Coach O'Shea over the course of uh, your short time as a bomber so far? Uh, I'm loving it. You know, um, I th- he puts a lot of trust in the guys to communicate and uh, kind of work through plays that we have throughout the week. And, and especially when game time comes, he's comfortable with, you know, getting feedback from us and, and uh, you know, letting us play football. You know, it, it's not too uh, you know stressful to to put a bunch, you know, 100 plays in every week. It's, uh, you know, he makes sure that we're physical out there. He, he makes sure that we're playing smart football and he, he wants us to play fast. And, you know, OSHA's, you know, he's been great. Greg, I'll say this. If you were watching the Bombers and you didn't know the players and someone said, well, you know, a bunch of these guys are returning from a championship team and there's one guy that's a veteran, but, you know, it's come in and is new. I don't think anyone would have picked you as being the new guy because it seemed like you just picked up your chemistry with Zach Caleros where you left off a few years ago. Up, What's it been like fitting into this offense and how have you felt about the connection with uh, your old pal number eight? It's been good. I mean, it, it definitely would be different if I hadn't played with him before, uh, probably, you know, getting adjusted and chemistry and, you know, seeing his timing and how the balls and the velocities coming in or, or how he's going to read me coming in and out of a route um, definitely helps that we've had uh, time to practice before together. And it doesn't seem like it was uh, so long ago, but uh, you know, kind of picked up from there. And Greg Ellingson of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers with this here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Um, what do you, what did you make of those back-to-back games to start the, the season? It is strange. I mean, the Bombers didn't even see Ottawa at all last year. And, and then you play them right out of the gate. I mean, now what were like the challenges like offensively going in and playing a defense for the second time right out of the gate? Um, I think you, I mean, I think it has its uh, advantages, um, cause you can kind of see what a team's doing and how they're playing you. And, you know, you kind of wonder if they're going to switch things up from how they're going to play you the first game or if they're just going to stay consistent because they think that that's what worked against us the first time. So, um, you know, I think as an offense though, you, you really just have to do what you do. You know, we have to go out there, we have to, you know, practice, practice hard and make sure that our, our reps there in the week count. And, um, we just have to make sure that our preparation throughout the week meets opportunity on game day and that, uh, we're executing how we're supposed to, that we're physical and we're, we're playing smart football. And, um, I think that translates onto the field. Tie Cats, listen, they got to be just kicking themselves. I mean, they were up by 21 at halftime, and uh, Calgary Storms back to steal that win. What are you expecting from uh, the opponents on Friday night? We're probably quite ornery considering the way things went at home last week. Yeah, um, yeah Hamilton's always been, you know, a, a tough opponent since the days that you know I was there, uh, left to Ottawa and then to Edmonton, and uh, you know now now in Winnipeg, uh, they've always been a tough team to play for. They're well coached, uh, you know, they're physical and. Um, you know, that it's always going to be a challenge. Uh, it's, it's our job, like I kind of said previously, with the back-to-back, is you know just to make sure that in the work week we're we're, pu- we're putting the time in, uh, we're preparing the right way, and you know we, we make adjustments on the fly. You know they got they have a good front, they have a good front seven, and you know we have to make sure that we see the things when when they bring pressure and um, how they play that, and especially as receivers too, we have to make our adjustments when they do bring pressure, um, especially like second and long or, or when they go man coverage, and we have to win on our routes and. You know, from there, as long as we execute properly and, you know, do, do a, play one opaque football and play physically. Then, all right. 
Uh, Greg, hey, 2-0 and is 2-0. and I mean, you come out every week and you want to win the football game. But, you know, we've heard from a number of members of the Bombers that they know there's more there. When you look at the Bomber offense and you guys are together in meetings this week, um, is there any particular areas where you're especially looking to improve or is it just a matter of continuing to get better each and every game and getting closer to the goal? Oh, there's always room for improvement. Um, I think one of the big things is uh, starting faster. Uh, I think we have, you know, had a little bit uh, slow starts out of the first two games, and I think that's something to practice. We've t- tried to address and make sure that when we come in Friday, that you know we're starting fast and and kind of getting the ball rolling earlier uh, opposed to later. Um, and other than that, I think everybody knows that you know just need to build on each week. Um, so you know we learned from the first two games, and we're going to keep learning throughout the year. And um, I think everybody also in the CFL knows that if you're playing your best football at the end of the year, it's it's, it's when it really matters. So. It's nice to stack up some wins now and, uh, you know, get better every week. But, you know, we'll find things to work on. And, you know, this week's definitely starting faster. We've uh, spent a lot of time the last couple of years talking about the Blue Bomber defense and the incredible standard they've set. What's it like going against them in practice every day? And uh, do you prefer that than going against them in the uh, actual real game? Yeah, I mean, uh, they're a hardworking group, right? Um, you have those uh, that stout D lineman with Jeff Coe and uh, – Jefferson and then you know you have Biggie and honestly all those linebackers that we have are you know they're just dogs and then uh, the secondary you know they're well coached um you know Rishi does a great job with the defense uh you know especially every day in practice but you know that's what makes teams better when you when you have a good defense and you have an offense that if you can go out there and uh battle with those guys during the week then it makes your job easier when it comes to game day you know, last weekend in Ottawa, it was the defense and Jackson Jeffcoat that sort of ended up being the closer, along with a pretty ill-timed penalty. Thank you very much, Ottawa. But uh, I wanted to ask you about week one in that, you know, we were all in the stands and there was a lot of dread when the concussion spotter went and pulled Zach Caleros, who's done so much for the Bombers out of the game. Take us back to the final 93 seconds with Drew Brown coming in. What was it like in the huddle? And uh what does that do for a team to have a relatively unproven backup quarterback come and play so well at such an important time and really be the difference between a win and a loss? That's the thing about football and, uh, I mean, any sport really, right, is you, you have those guys that are preparing the same exact way as all the starters are every week. You know, that they're in their meeting rooms, they're in practices, they're, they're trying to get as many reps as they can. And if they're not getting the reps with the starters and they're trying to get the reps uh, after practice, you know, throwing balls and routes to, to guys that they know they're going to see and, you know, that's their job. And also it just proves the depth that you have, you know, if you have a guy that can come in with limited reps, uh, only really reps in camp and a couple in practice, and he can come in and drive the ball down the field, you know, that, uh, just, you know, is a testament to the depths that you have. And, and also the, the work that that guy put in, you know, that he, he made sure that he was prepared because, uh, you never know when a guy's going to go down and you're gonna have to have the next dude step up. You know, that, that was that last week, this week, um, you know, our center went down last week and, uh, you know, we have another one filling in and, that really hasn't been a drop off. You know, you see us uh, in our meeting rooms. He has to go through all his checks and his splits coverages, and you know he's making sure that he does a good job. Greg Alexander, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, with us. Bombers hosting the Tie Cats Friday night, seven thirty. Princess Auto tailgate gets going around five thirty with great specials before the game, and then we will see the team coming out wearing the whites. What did you think about uh, the uh, playing in front of the IG Field fans for the first time back in the home opener? And uh, was it much better being on the home side as opposed to the visitors? So many years. Yeah, I mean, IG Field has always been one of the best uh, places to play um, in the CFL, and um, it's, it's definitely nice to be on the home side and. 
honestly one of the, my favorite things i think is the anthem uh when, when they chime in with the blue and the, the the true north you know that that stuff gets you hyped for a game and um it's good to be a part of it uh i have to ask you greg going into the game uh on on friday um you know you've got hamilton in you're looking at the east and the west right now it's crazy the argos are one and oh every other team in the east is oh and two and the West looks pretty stacked right now with two, two three two and O teams and a one and O team. Um, th- listen, I know that doesn't change the way you prepare or anything, but guys pay attention even this early as to how strong the division looks and how important these wins and losses are just within jockeying for position in the West. Yeah, I mean every every game counts. Uh, it's interesting because I feel like that's usually the story: is uh, the West is outshining the East, and then. As the season goes along, you know, you kind of see more so uh, which these teams are going to really be contenders. And, uh, I mean, I think it's just every week you got to stack a win, and it's one week at a time. So, you know, this week we have Hamilton. Just got to try to get that 1-0 against them. And then, you know, you let those build up and stack, and you just get better every week. And then by the end of the year, you know, the the teams that are playing the best football are the teams that are going to make it. So, uh, you know, it's just one week at a time. But it is interesting to see that the West is always, like, Couple games ahead of those Yeah, it's it's the more things change, the more they stay the same. It seems in the Canadian Football League. Uh, Greg, thanks so much for doing this. Uh, congrats on a great start to your career in blue and gold. Continued success, and uh, hopefully, you guys are celebrating a three and zero record with a couple days off on the weekend. Oh yeah, I appreciate it. Uh, also, let me add, uh, go Bolts. All right, good stuff with Greg Ellingson, folks. Make sure to stay tuned to the show tomorrow. Uh, we should have a pair or maybe two pairs of bomber tickets to give away for the program. Um, so we'll do that. And then I'm hoping to also have a pair to give away for everyone that comes and joins us live at little Brown jug on Friday afternoon as well. So, uh, govern yourselves accordingly and uh, make sure you pop back. Hey, speaking of the game on Friday night, uh, I know there's going to be plenty of Canadian club being poured out in the North end zone at the Jim Beam Stillhouse and the Brugal Rum Hut. Of course, Canadian club is the official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and is available throughout IG Field. And I have a feeling we might be uh, seeing a few CC and gingers at the game as well. One thing I can tell you, if you would like to try the great new drink of the summer from Canadian club, the ready-to-drink pre-mixed cocktail CC and ginger. It's available throughout the city. But if you pop by a Canadian's bottle shop and you buy a six pack, you'll get a free Blue Bomber Slim Can Koozie, which perfectly fits that CC and ginger. And you'll also be able to win, entered to win an autographed Blue Bomber jersey. There's a jersey to be given away at each Canadian's bottle shop. So wherever the closest one is, pop by, grab your CC and ginger, and good luck. And hopefully, uh, we'll see you at the Bomber game on Friday night. All right, let's get to, uh, we do have to get to Cool Bet Lines and talk a little bit about a very bad beat in the Norris Trophy candidacy and award last night. We'll do that with the Cool Bet Lines in a minute and look at the Tampa Avalanche game for tonight. But let's get to our Assiniboia Downs picks. Congratulations. Last night, let me just pull this up again. We had a big night. Tons of people entered yesterday. And Bridget... Gitch, Scott Miller, and Michael Sheldon all entered the winner's circle by picking horse number three in race six. So listen, grab a pen right now if you're with us, whether you're listening on the podcast or you are with us live on YouTube. Today is the final day of the contest. We've got a number of individuals that have won once. And uh, again, even if you enter tonight and don't win, we will be randomly picking a couple of other entries of people that have uh, that have made a selection 
to join us in a couple weeks for a little WST night out at Assiniboia Downs. You will be able to bring a guest. You'll join myself and Remo. We'll dig in on that incredible prime rib buffet up in the uh, Terrace Dining Room, and we'll have a great night at the races. So what you're going to need to do, we're going to get to our picks right now, but when we get to race six, write this down, Sherry G, S-H-E-R-I-G, at Assiniboia Downs. And a big thanks to Sherry for kind of managing this and um, giving us the standings. Uh, and all you need to do is pick the winner of race number six, Send it in with your name and your phone number. We've got the standings compiled. But even if you haven't done it before, get a, uh, get an entry in tonight and you might be one of the random pickers. Or heck, if none of the people that have won and you win tonight, uh, we'll have some major tie-breaking to do when it comes to it. Uh, all right, let's get to the picks. And by the way, Remo, get back in here. A big, big win. I think the biggest one, biggest win yet we've had since you got, is that the Ken Weeb camp? This is this is the Ken Weeb camp. Sorry, podcast. I'm here just walking around my house. It's you know, sorry. I had a shout out to Derek Schmidt, by the way, who dropped two bucks in the super chat is a gravel donation for everyone that got motion sickness by Ken's uh, by Ken's interview. Um, okay, can you please stop that? That's very very distracting right now. Stop what? Um, stop. <laughs> please. Um, last night. We were making the picks. I hit the biggest win we've done since we started making these picks. The triactor in race three on a $1 bet, 115 bucks. So uh, that was a big, big jump in the standings. And I put a little distance between you as I try and reclaim the belt that you won last year. Yeah, when you told me that you had a big winner last night and I lost all my bets except for that one that got scratched, I was like, oh, no, that's – I can't – make up this lead you've got you've just got a huge lead but now it makes us look good that one of us is actually winning so congratulations to you on hitting the um the big bet so you had a what how much did you win on one bet 115 dollars on uh it was the six dollar triactor box so it's like a dollar a dollar bet six ways yeah. i picked three horses and they can come in any uh any order and the great thing was Wits Coco, who was the kind of one longer shot that I put in, actually won the race, which I think really mm -hmm. cranked up the value of that coming so, in. So uh, uh, it's been a good week so far for yours truly after getting goosed last week. So who Miller Time wants a standings update. So according, so I have it as you're up forty four dollars, about forty five bucks. You're out, you're ahead. I'm down about one hundred twenty. So you've got a lead. You've got a big so lead. I've, I've got a nice little gap right now, and yeah. uh, hopefully we can continue to, uh, well, not necessarily grow that. I'd be fine if you picked a big winner tonight, but I'm going to try and keep it rolling. All right, here are my picks for tonight. We'll finish it up with race six. We'll go through the horses, and you'll mark down your pick and email into Sherry G at AS Downs so you can uh, play with us and hopefully join us at Assiniboia Downs. All right, race number one. I, normally, I kind of I don't spread it out as much, but I'm feeling it right now. So I want to get in a bunch of races. And again, you can always, if you're not making it out to the track, post time is 7.30. You can always watch the races at the AS Downs YouTube channel. Kirk and Stretch do a great job. Uh, all right, race number one. I'm putting, you know, considering Wits Coco won last night, I love the horses that have Wit in the name. I'm going to go with $3 to win on number two, Wits Magic. Uh, race number two. I'm putting a $3 bet on number four, Silver Heights. 
strictly because the name love the Sawickies, love the heights so if you got a horse named after silver heights i'll bet it i got number four in race number two silver heights for three bucks uh we're gonna move on over to race number four and we're gonna put three bucks on a five four quinella warbridge and tabia and in race number five we're gonna drop a three spot on number three anchor up uh, i'll save my pick for both the triactor and number race six. Uh, Remo, what are you going to do uh, before we get to the feature race tonight, race six, where everyone's going to send in their choices? So one of my bets yesterday was the horse was scratched on the Quinella, and I had the winner, but I was not able to get, so they refunded my bet. So I'm reinvesting that bet that should have won yesterday. So I'm actually betting 30 instead of the regular 20, because I don't think it's fair. Nice. I don't think it's fair to the contest. Yeah, um, we need we need the integrity of the contest, mm -hmm. and it gives you another chance to you know make up some ground. Well, you so had where that, are you going? You had that big winner, so now I have to catch up, and I'm feeling the pressure. You got to go with the triactor box. I do have one actually. I do have one. Okay, so I'll start in order. So race three, I have a tractor triactor box four, five, and seven. Runaway Hurricane King Wit got to get that wit action. It worked for you yesterday, and Bro Code. Just a great bro great, code. Bro code. I'll hear him. This is me giving the fist bump. <laughs> um, bro, uh, race two. I, and that was a what a six dollar total bet uh, on that one. Uh, race two. I am betting horse six. Uh, White Rose Spirit to win. And that was race two. Race five. This was my makeup bet, so I'm doing a ten dollar Quinella to replace the one that did not that got refunded yesterday. Four three, give a little, and the Truth Project. And on race seven, I'm love this horse's name. I regretted not betting last time, but I'm hitting it this time. Four dollars on Taco Flavored Kisses. Taco that, Flavored Kisses, legendary South, name. That's a South Park reference, <laughs> so uh, Mitch Connor approves of that one. All right, let's get to uh, let's get to race number six. This is it, folks. So uh, pick your horse. You've got eight selections. Number three is a scratch for tonight. And uh, as I said, just send in your email, name, phone number, and what horse you think by number tonight to Sherry G at asdowns.com to enter in the contest. Number one is Hidden Grace, opened at two to one. French Rose is number two, opened at 12 to one. Orange Theory, horse number four. 30 to 1 opening odds. Number five, half in the Raptor. Half in the Raptor, not Raptor, like the Toronto Raptors, mm. uh, is four, open at 4 to 1. Number six, Ain't She Darlin', 12 to 1. Texas Rain, number seven, 5 to 2. And number eight is Spun Line at 8 to 1. And the final horse, number nine, is Big Stretch at 20 to 1. All right, I'm going to go with number eight, Spun Line. little off the grid. We're going to go with number eight tonight. So I'm going to put a $2 bet on eight to win. And then I've saved six bucks so I could do another triactor wheel. I'm not going with the favorite, Hidden Grace. I'm bumping them out. I'm taking half in the wrapper, number five, number seven, Texas Rain, and number eight, Spun Line. So uh, that's my triactor, but my winning pick is is number eight, Remo. Uh, what's your uh, what's your horse? Yeah, my horse is number five, half in the rapper. I just like when uh, <laughs> when Kurt announces that one. So I'm going with half in the rapper as my pick to win. 
and we will see we will see what happens so you know the triactor box might be the way to go where you pick you know the horses to finish one two and three and then you box it so you can select any order for and that is how you won your big your big win yesterday that was the uh, one fifteen. Incredible! Yesterday. What a, what, yeah, it was. It was a big moment. I was so excited when I saw that it won. Of course, I wasn't able to watch the races last night because we were busy with Emmett Smith at the Rady dinner. What a great time that was! Uh, but we'll be paying attention tonight, and we'll be out there next week. And I think we're probably going to plan to have our winners in. We'll talk to Sherry and confirm the date, but potentially maybe after the long weekend early in July. Well, you know, bottom line is to count yourself in. Even if you don't win tonight, you'll be entered for a couple of random draws. Sherry G, S-H-E-R-I-G at asdowns.com. Winning horse in race six, name and number. Good luck to everyone. All right, let's get to the cool bet lines for tonight. We, of course, have the Tampa-Colorado game. And I got I just have to say this. I was so choked yesterday when I found out that Kale McCarr won the Norris, not because he doesn't deserve it, uh, although I was a big Roman Yossi guy, um, but it was so close. I believe the closest Norris decision ever, and we had some great bets on Yossi at some big numbers from you know kind of midway through the second half of the season, but it wasn't enough. But I did almost rage tweet Thomas Drance, who admitted that he had Roman Yossi fourth in the Norris voting along with two others. That really seemed to be the difference because of just how close it was. But that being said, congratulations to Kale McCarr. I'll, uh, I, I had another win on the racetrack, so it made up for the loss last night. Uh, tonight's game, game number four, Avalanche Lightning. Interesting, the Avs are now, excuse me, the Lightning now are a very slight favorite. I know when we did this yesterday on the lock shop, it was the other way around. But no, the Lightning, minus 109, Colorado minus 104. This is what you want. This is basically a pick em right now. And the over on the game is six at plus 103. I think I'm going to jump on the over tonight as well. Uh, but Remo, I'm still riding with the Lightning, and maybe this is wishful thinking. I am I am invested in a long series. I want more hockey. I want these teams to play the distance. And I think that is very likely if the Tampa Bay Lightning can win tonight. I was reading a tweet that the over six is a very popular bet in Vegas. I will go the flip side. I think Colorado, I mean, what, I guess, I guess this is basically a pick him, but although their road, I saw some like McKinnon home road splits. They haven't been good, but I think they bounce back. It's a good number. Just take, I think, just take the underdog in the in this series. Maybe you get some good value. So I'll lean Colorado, but it would be nice if uh, Tampa tied this up and we do get a uh, go in the distance. Sounds like Kadri's back. I think that'll be a big boost. Kemper is starting in goal, so we will we will see. Uh, Lightning plus two fifteen on the series right now, and I know we were talking about the uh, the betting arbitrage last week. If you were thinking about betting Tampa when they were down two nothing, splitting it between four two and four three, well, that four two number that was seventeen to one before the last game is now seven to one, and the plus eight fifty on Tampa in seven is now plus five twenty five from eight fifty. Uh, so good luck to you if you got on those numbers when we talked about them a couple days ago. Uh, Major League Baseball. By the way, crazy Blue Jays game last night. But good news, the Jays are pumping the White Sox right now, 7-1 in the seventh inning. So we won't jump on that, but a big slate of games for later on tonight, which you can also bet at Cool Bet. And a quick look at the CFL lines. 
Uh, ooh, a little drop in the bomber number. Bombers are now at four and a half as opposed to five. I don't mind that. Uh, may have to jump on that. Opened at five. One a half point movement towards Hamilton. So Hamilton right now plus four and a half in the game. Bombers minus four. And the Bombers minus 200 on the money line. Alouettes plus three. And at even money, I like that. I'd love, I'd love to get the hook and see if we could get it to plus three and a half. I'll probably wait till tomorrow, wager on that game. And right now, Elks eight-point underdogs at the Stamps. And Toronto, five-point underdogs at BC. I, I can pretty much tip my hand for the lock shop on Friday. I think I'm taking uh, the Argos and the points. I want to say this. Montreal might have some big injury concerns for tomorrow's game. Standback's already out, but... Jake Weineke, he's not going to play. And I think uh, Gino Lewis has some injury issues. So I would take a look. You might That might be good value right now. Saskatchewan Ooh. minus three. Farhan had a tweet uh, tweet last night. Let me just uh, pull it up. So I would I would hold off on betting on Montreal. I know some guys are rushing to hit, hit Saskatchewan. Uh, you got to yeah, keep track uh, of these uh, injury reports. No, for sure. And you being the, D, the CFL DFS guy. Um, that's what we lean on you for the up-to-date numbers and who's playing and yeah. who's not. So, so uh, and by the way, also owner Gary Stern will not be at the game. He's tested positive for COVID, uh, so. and he's very upset that he won't be there. He's very active on Twitter though. It'll give him plenty of time to tweet <laughs> as he tries to get his follower he's, count. He tries to get his follower count up. He's like the owner who just discovered Twitter and is like, I need followers. Come on, follow me. I'm I'm the owner. Everyone should be following me. So I love I do love seeing that engagement. I was trying to connect with fans from the owner as Montreal comes back from the disappointing season. Although Vernon Adams, he's out with COVID. They're going with Trevor, Trevor Harris. So here's the report from Farhan. That Weineke is out. Chris Aki's on the injured list as well. But Lewis, Nick Usher, and Philippe Gagnon, all questionable. So we'll wait and see on Montreal. But if I mean, if they're out, Weineke and Lewis, that's, those are two big guns. Although, it could open up some serious val, value in DFS <laughs> well, if you, we'll if you do play. That. We'll cover that tomorrow on the program. Speaking of tomorrow's show, uh, think Libel's going to join us. Can't wait for that. We had such a good time interviewing Emmett last night. Uh, I think we're also going to have Brandon Rowicki. We'll get Wick's thoughts on the cup final, as well as everything else going Torts. on around the Winnipeg Jets in the off season. And uh, Larry Murphy, former NHL legends involved in some three on three league. We're going to find out a little bit more, but Remo, as you mentioned, we're also going to be able to talk to Larry Murphy about joining the Red Wings in the aftermath of the insanity between the avalanche and the Red Wings. And by the way, the debut of that E60 on the rivalry between the Wings and the Avs is debuting this weekend. Yeah, Sunday, yeah, on ESPN, that E60. There was a trailer that dropped a couple oh. weeks ago that got leaked from someone. I don't even know how it got out there, but search Random it up. person on Twitter with like was, 37 followers. It was the weirdest thing. So Boutregras tweeted, but yeah, Larry Murphy's involved with this three-on-three -three hockey league that's going around the U.S. I think it's trying to be like uh, the Ice Cube, you know, the Ice Cube's basketball yes. one for, for hockey. I'd like to see that get off the ground. I think th three on three is awesome. So you got to start somewhere. Larry Murphy's involved as a coach, hockey hall of famer, legendary defenseman, Stanley cup champion with the Red Wings. So he did join. It was the year after uh, that. So he was in the playoffs would have played against uh, the Avs. So I am, yeah, I'm a big fan of Larry Murphy. So that'll be a big good one.
Yeah, we'll get you ready for uh, the uh, Thursday Nighter in the Canadian Football League as well, and much, much more. Um, hey, thanks to Weaver for a legendary hit today with us, uh, and Eric Fair, both members of the Mennonite Mafia joining us, as well as many of you uh, that are joining us in the chat, and of course, Greg Ellingson before the big Bomber game on uh, Friday. So uh, don't forget, we'll have some Bomber tickets to give away tomorrow on the program. Friday, we're at Little Brown Jug. If you haven't already, folks, hit that red subscribe button. Join us daily, 1 p.m. Central Time here on YouTube and uh, search Winnipeg Sports Talk. If you're watching on YouTube and you want to get the podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. Um, Going to be a great, great afternoon and evening. It is gorgeous outside. I'm so sad that the Gold Eyes aren't home tonight. I was hoping to get out to the ballpark. They're home next week, though, heading into the long weekend. We'll do something on that. Uh, but in the meantime, if you joined us late, had a great opening segment talking about Paul Maurice being hired by the Panthers and Blake Wheeler showing up on the DFO trade bait board. Get to that if you uh, missed it earlier on. Tell a friend about WST, and we will look forward to talking to you tomorrow on Thursday. And don't forget, if you're able to pop by Friday afternoon, Little Brown Jug, 1 o'clock, we'll be doing a live show. We'd love to see you there. For Michael Remus, I'm Andrew Patterson. Thanks so much for being with us. Have a great day, and we'll catch you tomorrow on WST. Oh, my God. Oh! Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.